Ladies and gentlemen, people of all gender expressions, thank you for checking out the North Bank Media Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Strevens. Joining me on the show this evening was my friend, Faisal Jan Mohammed. Uh, he swung by on a Friday evening to sit back on the patio and have a conversation. It was a good time. Uh, we sort of we're in the process now of starting production on our latest project called Graveyard Shift, which is a one-hour documentary funded through the Tell Us Story Hive program. Uh, so we talked a little bit about that, uh, filmmaking, production generally, and, uh, you know, it tended into some political stuff towards the end, which was, you know, it was fun and interesting, and it's always great to hear uh, opposing or different views on on the world at large. And uh, I think this was just a very casual, relaxed uh, return to the podcast, so... After a few weeks off, uh, we're back at it. Please enjoy this conversation with my friend, filmmaker, and eccentric Faisal Jan Mohammed. frame we've had puts, for, well, well i guess yeah, the, like the minute to, festivals but like sure. lengthwise comparatively yeah like we're putting together an hour of content for, uh, in, in, in like in a month in a month basically for five grand yeah what a bargain for tell us well, what was i telling uh andrea the other day like something else but like like the money's already spent like right Five grand, yeah. I was like, five grand is a lot of money until you start spending it. Oh, absolutely. How <laughs> fast did you budget out five grand? Oh my god, I was like, well, how much will I pay for animation? I gotta pay at least some money, and it's like, <laughs> there oh, goes twenty percent yeah, right there. Is, yeah, and then it's like, well, what else do I need to pay? Well, we're gonna need camera. We're gonna right, need like, right. and it's like, I'm gonna have to. I I basically plan to come out of pocket for the the. The CGI intro, right? And the poster, I plan. Well, the poster, five hundred bucks, I think should cover it. But like the CGI intro, I feel like I'm gonna have to come out of pocket because that's also five hundred. Yeah, but depends, right? Like you want the CGI intro, but maybe also if they could make like some bumpers, you know, like ooh, yeah, that'd something. be nice. I mean, I'll I'll talk to the guy that I'm gonna talk to tomorrow. Hey, on a, on an update, finally. Okay, so we got the VFX done for Give and Take. Finally, yes. that's yes. Nice. So we get to review that. Right and then on. we're going to get the uh, the sound done for Give and Take. And that's, honestly, I feel like it's going to be August 16th. I think that's the same time Give and Take is going to be more or less ready. Basically. it's I'm planning to start coloring. Oh, yeah, yeah, and that's, yeah. And then, that's yeah, it. That's basically it. Like, yeah, as soon as the sound's done, the coloring's done, August yep. 16th, man. There's nothing left. Long journey. <laughs> How long? Three, dude, three years plus. I mean, if you're going to tell me, I'm going to count it starting at uh, Driftwood. Right. 2015 when you would talk about that idea I on set constantly <laughs> i got this idea for this thing and it's like okay and now here we are six years later <sighs> sometimes when what do they say you got to speak it into an existence sometimes you do like, you absolutely do you just gotta keep talking like a graveyard shift same thing i was i kept talking about right it, like but like an opportunity came up where it's like well now we gotta make it well i think it was great that you submitted graveyard shift for without even telling me and you're like <laughs> by the way we got this and your name's attached to it like, oh what? yeah it's like surprise <laughs> well because well, well i guess i'll t- tell the story on sure. podcast because when we first saw it my first thought was the mockumentary that we're working right. on right for the stand-up comedian i was like five grand would go quite a long ways there because uh, we have a main character who we can follow right 
Um, and then we read the rules when we got together. I got myself all hyped up, and then we got together and we read the rules, and it was like, oh, wait. And Kevin said it, too. He's like, what did he say? He's like, it's non... He's like, hey, guys, non yeah. did you read the rules? <laughs> we you forgot the difference between fiction and nonfiction. Oh, my God. It's like flammable and inflammable. Yeah. <laughs> inflammable means flammable. What a country. Not, not a good one to get mixed up on. <laughs> but, like, that was the shortest Zoom meeting ever. Oh, my God. Yeah, I was just like, we're done. But then, so what happened is, so I was just like, all right, well, we're done. Right. And so the Tell a Story Hive open call is, open right. call is what we went through. Mm. And they had 50 grants up for five grand a piece. And okay. I was like, there's, there's no way we can't get this. Like, it's it's almost a giveaway. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, if we had read the rules. Um, there was one way we could have not gotten it. <laughs> and we uh, found it. Yep, we found it. If there was a way to not get it, we found it. Um, but... To our credit. And then so a Friday came around and I didn't mm -hmm. submit anything. A friend of mine was submitting something and he had some real problems with the with the website. Submitting. Oh really? Yeah, there was there was also and then later I guess Telus extended the deadline to the following Monday because oh. they were like, Hey, we heard everybody had issues like uh, submitting it. So then okay. I was like, well, I've been given an extra day because by that, but I think we took the thing, the meeting on Thursday, and I was planning to submit it the next day on Friday. Right, because yes. But then obviously they we couldn't. It. And then okay. they pushed it to Monday, and then I was like, oh, I've been given an extra day here. i got to go for huh. it. Yeah, I just, like, got it. Like, sometimes, you, like, you got to take the shot, right? Right. Um, so yes, <laughs> exactly. Like, shoot or shoot. Sometimes you got to take the shot for other people, too. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, no, I, 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 I kind of, like, put threw together this application. Yeah. And I put it, and I honestly did not expect to get it because, like, right. I mean... I'd, in my head, like you take a day to think about your application and put it together mm -hmm. and just ding, perfect right, it, right? And then you submit it. But like with me, it was like, ah, oh, shit, I got an hour. And then I submitted it, but then I got this email out of the blue, and like I'm still waiting for somebody to email me and be like, just I'll, joking. yeah, dude, sorry, administration error, dude. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you poor, poor man. <laughs> <laughs> but but I always thought it was a good idea. Yeah, it's a great idea. Yeah, no, I, the more I think about it, the more I really think like. I spoke to my the guy who works near, at my Circle K as well, and he was very mm -hmm. into it. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm just, I, just the idea of people who work night shift and like mm -hmm. there are meaningful things that happen in night shift. I yep. think because of the fact that it's at night and there's mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. I don't know, like so, there's some there's it. something about it. Yeah. Can, can I tell you my story about yeah, my? Yeah. Um, this was in 2019, Absolutely. I think. New Year's, so it was either 2019 or 2018 or something, but it was definitely New Year's mm -hmm, Eve, mm -hmm. had turned into New Year's. I was working at a German um, schnitzel hall. house. Schnitzel, schnitzel house. house, basically. Oh, my God. When they made the brats, they made the brats. They put a little uh, put a little beer on the coals. Oh, yeah. Mm. Oh, man. <laughs> Where is this, downtown or something? No, this was the German hall. Um, the German hall. It used to be rented out. There. People used to throw wedding parties there. Okay. I heard Old Town Roads so many oh, times. Oh, God. That was that time. That was that time. I love that song. That's a good tune. <laughs> and Little Nas X has really taken off since then. Oh my then. God! I was surprised. I wow. Um, yeah, that's another. Yeah, that's I'll, another podcast. Uh, but uh, what happened is, so like, I was working at this German place as a waiter slash bartender. It was okay. like a hall, the German Canadian Cultural Association. Oh, okay. They closed after COVID, um, oh. but it was like a hall, and you could rent it out for various functions and stuff. Okay. So they had a New Year's Eve function, um, and obviously it went to like two, three in the of morning. Course. And it was snowing like crazy, and I get out, and it's New Year's Eve, right. and it's snowing like crazy, and I'm trying to roll a joint, and like <laughs> everything gets so I have no weed. Right. I, I gotta get home in order to smoke. 
So then I go and try and catch my bus, and I miss my last bus because the thing went too late. Right. And I was like, well, oh I'll God. just take an Uber, right? Yeah. Um, and yeah, right. But it was New Year's Eve. Sure. So surcharge. So I was ready to pay like a $40 Uber, but they right. wanted like 100 bucks to get from... Um, Southside? Or where? Yeah, from Southside, from uh, Millgate-ish area okay. to downtown where I used to live right, at Bellamy. Right. So that's mm-hmm. like... A 10 minute drive or something mm-hmm. and they wanted hundred bucks for it so I, I i don't know i didn't feel so i was just like fuck it i'm hoofing it i'm walking yeah like it's, it's a 45 <laughs> minute walk i'll be home by four in the morning i'll take a smoke and go to bed yeah um good story yeah well and <laughs> and so i'm walking and like as i'm walking this bus that's out of service not like they got the non-service mm-hmm. flashing he pulls over and he's like hey where are you heading and I was like, yeah, dude, I'm, I'm headed downtown. And he's like, oh, I'll take you right up to where you need to go. Like, because I lived right next to the nine stop. And I was right. like, dude, I'm headed to the nine stop on Bellamy. And he's like, right. oh, yeah, I got you. Don't worry. Wow. And like, that was the best New Year's ever, honestly. Because, like, out of the cold and I get onto the bus yes. and I just feel, like, warm. And, like, I was ready for a 45-minute, like, freeze your, like, ass off walk <laughs> with, like, no weed. Right. And I, and instead, I get this, like, free ride all free- the way. Right. And what was the bus driver like? Like, he was just a... He was just chill. He was just yeah. a dude. He was just like, happy New Year's, man. I hated to see you out there. And I was like, wow. dude, you, 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 you saved me. You saved me. One time, me and uh, two friends were uh, on mushrooms. Yeah, yeah, And we're coming back across Quinnell Bridge. And the bus driver stops. And we're like, oh, because you're on shrooms. Yeah, because you're the, on shrooms. The, the bus stops <laughs> and the bus door opens. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> and there's one girl at the back like, no, no. And the bus driver's like, you guys need to get somewhere. We're like, Mm-mm. no, no, no. We're, <laughs> no. We're on a journey, sir. <laughs> totally. He's like, okay, but same thing. Some people are nice, especially yep. people who work night shifts sometimes, too. I feel like it also breeds a certain level of empathy. Yeah, so what is that? It's because you're, it's not mainstream. It's not, but it's, it's a, you know, it's, it's underground yeah, in some way. Well, I mean, you also see, it's alt. I guess the kind of people you're also exposed to, to mm-hmm. a certain degree, aren't your regular people. Like, right. I met a lot of, like, people that were sure. on a lot of things when I worked at Smitty's at Night Shift. Oh, um, right. You did that, too. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, right. that was kind of sad sometimes because I'd see, like, parents with their kids and the parents were, like, out of it really oh I'm man like, at least two times <laughs> i can't believe my, i i used to tell a bit about how i'd be giving out extra oreos because uh, do you remember the robin hood guy um mcdonald's robin hood he was like in edmonton it was a local news story because what? he was giving out extra chicken nuggets okay uh, this is ringing a bell yeah he yeah. gave out some extra tendies when you drove through sure, the, uh, sure. when you drove through the drive-thru <laughs> and like he got a news story right i used to have a bit where like so you're thinking I used to give out free Oreos and like I got, you know what happened to me is like one time the lady was like, oh, he gave us free Oreos. And she went and told my manager, he's such a nice guy. He gave us free Oreos. He's great. And I got in trouble. For you got shit. in trouble for, for like just Oreo cookies. Yeah. So like they give out like the two individually wrapped oh, gotcha. Oreo cookies and gotcha. like it comes with a kid's meal and like, sure. I don't know, man, they're, they're, I would eat them all day. Like, sure. What? Yeah. So like two Oreos makes the kid happy, makes the customer happy. I get an extra tip. Everyone you get it. Right. Exactly. Who and loses? Like, Who loses? I mean, if the kid's there with their parents and they're like fucked up, then like, yeah, that right. kid's going to get an extra Oreo. But I didn't think, <laughs> yeah, that's the least you could do. I mean, God damn it. Life's going to be hard on you, kid. Right. Right. I never thought about this though, because you're kind of a guy who's never, I mean, now you're kind of like a nine to five job, but like. Since you've been in Edmonton, at least, you've always kind of had those late night kind of underground, like, what's the word? Non-mainstream? Non-mainstream, I guess. I've always kind of had, like, transient jobs. Sure. I mean, I guess I, I mostly, 
hover between IT and serving, and those mm-hmm. are my two places. And those places I've worked night, like I used to work night shift at the U of A. Right. Um, night shift, quote unquote. I think it would end at like eight or nine. Right. Um, the evening shift. I mean, if given the option, I will always choose night shift. I'm really? not sure why. I really like, like if you can give me a seven to two shift or something like mm. that. Where, like, I show up and I work through it and then I go to sleep and then I wake up. And, like, this was my routine at Smitty's because mm-hmm. I'd show up at 6-ish. Mm-hmm. I'd work till 12 and I'd be home by, like, 1.30. I'd have my breakfast or whatever at 1.30. Mm-hmm. Uh, you go to bed, I'd wake up early in the morning, hit the gym. Mm. And then from 10 to 6 is my time. I'm just chilling. Sure. And then, like, back and do it back again. Back to it again. And, like, I don't know, it feels, it, I mean, you're still doing eight hours of work. But somehow right. it doesn't feel as <laughs> intrusive in your life. That's a good point. <laughs> no, that, I mean, we shot that movie last summer, Darker Than Night. That yeah, was, yeah, yeah. It was like call time would be like six and you'd shoot till six in the morning mm-hmm. and then sleep. And then, I mean, I don't know. There is something about it where it's like nobody else is up. Yeah. And we're doing something oh, different. Man. Yeah, you know? there's nothing I love, especially being like slightly chemically altered, but sure. like just up at night, like three, four in the morning when there's, especially in Edmonton specifically, mm-hmm. but there's no one in right. the streets and right. it just feels like it's just you and the world mm-hmm. and like, oh man, I've had some of my most Tom Waitsiest moments, like just hanging out in the snow, smoking sure. a joint, the whole streets are empty. Quiet. Like, yeah. Yeah, that's magic, man. I remember times when I lived at home and I would like sneak out with a buddy at like two, three in the morning to walk <laughs> Those around. Those are the most magical times. Yes. Uh, I don't know what it is. It's I can't put a finger on it. Something about that late night. That mm-hmm. like, and, like, honestly, so, like, I started thinking about, and because this is when I used to live at my old place on Bellamy, mm-hmm. and, like, I used to live uphill from a 7-Eleven, mm-hmm. and that 7-Eleven was, like, a rock and roll 7-Eleven. Like, that was real. I remember yeah. that one. That's yeah. Jasper and, what, 103rd or Yep, yeah. and then they brought in another one, like, directly right. up the hill from me, but the, that one was even worse. That, that's where I saw a lot of stuff, man. Oh, um, man. Yeah, I, and like you just think about the people that work in those situations because I think sometimes when people think night shift, they always think the opposite side, the customers, and how crazy the customers are. And man, mm-hmm. you must see some shit when you're on. But like, I was like, what about like coworkers walking with coworkers, talking with coworkers, mm-hmm. or like like the other side, the the people who work night shift and who like because mm-hmm. we need them. I mean, I've yeah, definitely sure. been there. Like been and who like how many times you can count on one hand the number of times you've needed. To be to get something for mm-hmm. at like one or two in the morning, and you're damn and, glad that you can. Yeah, and like, but like, and then you gotta think like, who else is patron? Like, who else is coming here? And like, thank God you're yeah, here. Yeah, you, yeah, but you also know who else is coming here. Like, that's also you true. know what kind of people. Yeah, are, we gotta hit that Seven Eleven up tonight. I think so. I, I would <laughs> like to like. Well, I was also gonna hit up Queen Donaire. I, mm. I need to call them at one point, but I feel like they would have some interesting stories too. <laughs> Shouts again, out to that, Queen Donaire, yeah. man. Oh, man. Some of the best meals I've had in my life. <laughs> yes, sir. Have you talked to them yet, or are you going no, to? No, I'm going to call them okay. up, hopefully, uh, and have a quick word with Dude, them. Dude, if we could get into a Donaire shop at 1.30 in the morning on White Ave. Oh, just kind of set up in that the corner is just, of the room. and like, Absolutely. Well, there's a, is there a taco stand at, there, on White's? There White? used to be. You remember that one? Yeah, it's like Tacos on White or something, yeah. right? On I feel like if that's still there, and mm-hmm. like if we can set up just a few blocks oh, away, man. like watch people try to order tacos or the hot dog cart. Yeah, it's just any. And like if we can catch the hot dog guy and get an interview with him, I would Dude, love that's, to hear. That's it. I guess we'll really see how it goes tonight. How people I'm are. I'm really interested to see how it goes. Yeah. Like, because my last filming experience, and this is why I thought about tonight, is our, my last filming experience uh, in public. We went for Driftwood. We went right. out on White, and I just remember. <laughs> He walked up to the camera with something to say. It's kind of hard not to. Oh. And that's why I'm wondering how I should build the camera. Should I build it 
big or should I try and keep it, you know? Ah, that's an interesting thing. Well, I don't want you to, because I mean, we're going to be out there for five yeah. hours. Well, so I don't maybe build it portable, but like, because yeah. the big one did get people's attention. Right. Which, I don't know if that's what we want. That's fair. We also want to be kind of hidden away. Right. The world is also, it's funny to say that because Driftwood was what, 2015 again, you mentioned? But the world has changed since then. Like, cameras are way more pervasive everywhere. And, like, people are way more sensitive about cameras, I feel like, now than they used to be then. Yes. And people are going to be weird because they've been trapped inside for a year and a half. Also true. Right? Also true. Oh, so many It's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. (laughs) Might want to wear a mask. I've got one on me. I, I got my little fanny pack. It's got all my essentials. Right on the mask. But yeah, man, that that was a good time when we went up and down White Ave for, for oh, Driftwood. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, we were filming and like, oh, so many people. Do you remember? The one guy I remember was the guy. I don't know if you saw it on film, but like, I don't, know, I don't know if it was true or not. But he was talking about making tea from his girlfriend's tampon. No. He, he was, talk- like, oh right into the camera, hammered, <laughs> and, like, was talking about the time he did that. And I was like, dude, you know this is yeah. recording, yeah. right? <laughs> I I think about it now, too. We had Josh with the boom, so that, that didn't help either. Like That's we, also, we, we were, were taking up a lot of real estate. Right. We were really making a scene, literally. But, like, I mean, sometimes you got to do that when you you're filmmaking. I have like, no. it's gorilla. I have, like, nobody owns the street. No, hell no. And we're going to go prove that tonight when we shoot. Yeah. It's like if you have a problem then you don't have to be a part of it. Like yeah, exactly. Like no you it's 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 public space. You don't really have the expectation of privacy in a public space. No. It's different when you go into the business. Into the business, which I mean we're not planning to do. Oh my god, have you looked at any have you delved into the world of IRL live streaming? No. Oh, so that this is a rabbit hole I've been going down okay. on like YouTube and such where like essentially these people walk around with like selfie sticks and really? they're and they're live streaming everything they do, right? Like some some of these people do 24-hour live streams, but they're like annoying as fuck. They go into buildings and like <laughs> start confrontation. Yeah, that was a close one. Yeah, <laughs> the, bird, the bird yeah. just floated by. Well, there's a robin's nest oh, in sweet. that in the grapevine there, so there's been all kinds of I can show you after, but yeah, yeah. there's all kinds of traffic, bird oh, traffic man. around here. Um, but yeah, they walk around with like cameras and they go into businesses and they like actively start confrontations or they're right. like, some of them are like legitimate, like drug, like just straight up drug addicts. Like this is one dude called stop speeding. Really? Like, he's a meth head, which isn't tells you his name. Is he make? are they making money off this? So this is the weird thing that I find about this thing right. is like, they're not making crazy money. They're right. making, sometimes they make, and the top tier of, of streamers will make mm-hmm. like crazy amounts of money. Cause it okay. depends on your subs and your don- subscriptions right. and your donations, donations and the like. Right, right. Um, some of them are making a hundred bucks a day, maybe like less than minimum wage, especially in the States. Yep. Um, but if you're a meth head on the street but, or with but, no well, fixed address also or whatever. Like, it seems to be detrimental to their life because they get banned from places. They get confrontations with the police. But they still sure. do it. It's like Sisyphus. It's like watching Sisyphus walk around with this big fucking rock and be like, <laughs> what the hell? What else? And it's like, dude, you can just put down the camera and like go do your thing. But like, what is? I, I also feel like it's that there's direct engagement with a large quote unquote number of people. Like you mm-hmm. can get audiences from 20 Three hundred to seven thousand. Sure. I've seen live streamers with fifty thousand people in chat. Like, wow. so I mean, there's also that ego boost as well, right? But is the camera pointed out to the world, or <laughs> so this is a sensitive part? Is like usually it's pointed out to the world, right? And then people will give them a hard time, being like, "Hey, don't put your camera in my face," right? And right. then they'll flip it back around to their face. But I mean, like they're trying to get like provocative they're content. To start. That's I don't I don't hate that. I got I mean you. they're trying to provoke people and stuff but like sometimes it goes too far where right. like they 
they intentionally put themselves in situations where I'm like, you're like essentially doing this to I don't even know what like attention. What are they? Att- yeah, attention. for attention. It's just at that point, it's it's pure attention. Sometimes, like mm-hmm. there and there are things that pe- people do on those things that I just feel and things that like aren't that shocking. But I feel like I would never do on camera in my life. Like, um, <laughs> and you've done some stuff. On I've camera. done some, but like get blackout drunk on camera. Okay, I would probably never want to do that on camera because like. No, because you, you can't control that. You can't like, control it's that. disgusting. It's stupid. Like nobody wants to see that unless they're like <laughs> want to see you as a clown. Well, yeah, that's interesting. But is that? I mean, it's better than a day job, maybe. It is. It's better than a day job, which is a sad statement. But <laughs> right. It is. Right. It really, really is. And you get to travel. Like these right. people take RV trips with each other mm-hmm. and stuff, and like they get into trouble and different i honestly and like i watched every piece of content they have out there mm-hmm. like that i can find on youtube so it's not like it's it's not like there isn't an, an audience for that and i right. like i wish they i i like some of the content mm-hmm. sometimes i find the content is just too much and too drama but like sometimes mm-hmm. the content is interesting sometimes it's interesting it's a fine line but yeah. I, that's aggressive though to go out in the world like that and I mean that's kind of what we're gonna do tonight, but we're not gonna provoke people. We're we're kind of trying to be on the a fly on the wall, and like hopefully nobody has any issues with us filming. But if they do, we we just keep it moving, right? Yeah, you have to. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was interesting what you were saying about graveyard shift, like this the image, of, like because we were talking about maybe doing what like six ten minute vignettes. Yeah. But now you had this image of this guy playing piano. Like there could be some really weird interstitial shit that and we don't. And that's why I'm hoping we can get tonight. Like if oh, we yeah. ask people, I, I got to talk with Kevin and we got to figure out the question to ask. But like in my mm. head, I was kicking around, what's it like working night shift? Um, that would be a nice question to ask. Or like the question where we would provoke some great responses from specifically the people working. Um, I don't have super interest in the people using the services. Right. It'd be nice to get one or two of them and maybe get an outside person's perspective on what it would be like to work night shift. Like, maybe you get some people being like, it makes you creepy. Like, I would love to that. <laughs> you never know. Yeah. You do want to see all sides of the issue. Yeah, exactly. You wonder how many people just do it out of necessity versus, like, you said you I enjoyed it. I was hoping it. to find it. Well, yeah. I was hoping to find that. Like, um, how many people do it out of sheer necessity of this is the job that's available at the moment. Right. Versus, yeah, people like me who, like, do enjoy it. But that's also, I feel like, it's also a certain level of, le- like... Okay, there's a certain level of lack of accountability on night shifts. It depends when you're working, I guess. If you're working sure. in a power plant, there's all sorts of. You're gonna want to be. <laughs> you're gonna want to be like accountable. But if you work in a restaurant, less so. You can kind of get away with being a little lazy and 100- being a little easier. Hundred percent. I remember working at Safeway, and it was like the manager went home at six, and let's say you you were there till eleven. Like seven to eleven was. Just it was like, just chill. Just man. do what like, you can. Yeah. But. Like get some work done, but <laughs> sure. otherwise, just like yeah. Mm-hmm. Actually, that makes me think maybe we should try and talk to guys that work like the night crew at a grocery store. I would like to get. I would like to talk to that too. So I posted up on Reddit. Mm-hmm. Shout out Edmonton subreddit. Right on. Right um, on. I posted on there, and I'm hoping we get some responses on there. Um, I was also going to email out some of the local uh, radio crews, interesting radio stations, because I helped Andrea with. Um, she was doing some radio. She needed to do some community work and outreach to some radios. Mm-hmm. And off of, I compiled a list for her. Mm-hmm. And off of that. Two people wanted to speak to her on radio because mm. they're always looking for content. It, sure, like, it's endless. Yeah, and like she got a bunch of uh, response back as well. So I was thinking, like tomorrow, if I just fire out some emails, mm-hmm. worst case scenario, we get one radio DJ who wants to talk about a weird caller at three a.m., right. which is perfect. Right. Best case scenario, 
we get that and we get some people who want to talk to us about a project on the radio. That's a great thought. That's a great thought. Cross, like, I mean, cross it, it makes sense. We're we're local filmmakers. We have this grant that like is. Mm-hmm. I I feel like Story Hive is now a brand at this point. It's pretty legit. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty well known. What radio stations did you talk to? I have a list of every one that I could find in Edmonton. So mm-hmm. like, I mean, there's your standards: 103, The Bear, and 99 Shine, and right. Virgin. Um, I'm trying to remember some of the other ones. I'd have to look up. There's some smaller. C, um, CKUA is one of them. Yeah. Um, 88.5 too. CJSR. CJSR. Um, I did an interview there once with Christian Zip on his show when I was. Oh on, really? On I think it was also Story Hive. Interesting. Um, Angela Dookie Squad years. Dookie I think this Squad. was before, before. Uh, Driftwood. Was that where you got beat up or something? No, that was the PSA for the John Humphreys. I got beat up all day, and they used two seconds of that. <laughs> it was a, a, That's how it a works. T-A PSA. No, but there was T-A a... PSA. There was One a, more take. One more take. There's a girl, um, Angela Palmar. She's in uh, Vancouver right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, she had a web series here called Dookie Squad, which okay. was kind of like Scrubs, but the cleaning staff of a hotel, of a, of a hospital. Cleaning up the Dookie. Yeah, Dookie Squad, hence the name. Sure. Um, and they were going through, I think it was Story Hive, um, but it was it was a it was a hopper situation where they, you mm-hmm. you submit your project and then they would maybe give you enough to like have a season one or to shoot oh, a pilot. Okay. Um, she had ten minute episodes that were webisodes, mm-hmm. and that was my first uh, experience of being an editor for someone else besides me. Um, and I just did like simple edits for her okay. um, on the stuff we uh, we submitted on content. Right on. Um, yeah, it was fun. I, we, we got to get a little creative because they had challenges and stuff. So oh, that was, okay. it was super fun. And it was scripted? Uh, Dookie Squad was scripted. Yeah. And then like our challenges had to be scripted as well. It was actually, honestly, if I think about it, it was my first time actually even directing too. Because, like, mm. I mean, Angela directed as well. And then we were with right. another actor whose name I won't mention. Um, <laughs> you could tell me off mic. I'll, oh, God, dude. We talked about this guy. Um, okay. But uh, <laughs> it was me and her. And this guy, and um, she scripted. Well, me and her both scripted it, and then she would direct some bits, I would direct some mm-hmm. bits. She had a camera that she would bring in. It was very much like three people who didn't really have a technical education right. in any of this, but like nothing wrong with figuring that. it out. Okay, Dookie Squad. But how did she get the radio interview? Um, she knew Christian. Okay. She 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 had a relationship with the people at CK CJSR. Um, and then also, Dookie Squad was quite successful-ish. Um, it, it won some awards in, like, oh, really? L.A. Web, uh, web Show Festival and stuff like that. So That's it was sick. relatively successful as far as a web series can go. You ever talk to her anymore? Um, no, I, I talked to her here and there. Um, I believe she had a, a walk-on show, um, a, a walk-on role on a show on NBC. But so really? here's the thing. is By the end of Dookie Squad, <laughs> I don't want to paste the blame on one person. Okay. I, I'm sure Angela might have a, or maybe she does have a different story, but I feel like at the end of it all, there, the vibe was kind of soured and we kind of just went our separate ways and mm. didn't really reach out again. But I, I just feel like none of us had a, an overwhelmingly positive experience. I had a great experience out of it because mm-hmm. I got to learn how to direct, how to edit sure. and how to like do things. Right. But I feel like we felt disappointed about how far we got. We felt like we could get further. And mm. like I, I just feel like this the vibe was a little soured. Um, okay. There was some dr- drama in there, so right. like we all Typical. just kind of went our separate ways. But like she, uh, uh, me and Angela, again, as far as I know, maybe Angela has a different perspective. But like we never had any issues or anything. No. I'm, I'm sure if I ever see her again, it'd be be fun to okay. catch up. 
Yeah, that sounds so typical. You know, it's when it's low budget, and it's like you say, nobody really was technically trained in what they're doing. Is like, what what do you expect? If you get anything, you should be happy. Well, that's exactly that's. I mean, that's always the mindset I've gone into ever since I started trying to like work in creative, mm-hmm. in the creative mm-hmm. field. Is I'm kind of happy because I I don't know. I never expect. I honestly never expected to be in this position. Like I I mean, you have your dreams of like I'm sure. gonna win the Oscar, <laughs> um, but I never had expected to be. You never think about the smaller steps that you take to win the Oscars. It's true. And you never think about how good it feels to feel even something as insignificant as being given a grant, which I feel like to them. I don't know how big the how involved the mm-hmm. selection process and stuff was, but it feels a little validating when like. You, you put an idea out there, and then someone comes back and says, hey, it's you know what? Enough. Here's some money. I li- I, good work. Good work. That's, and that's kind of the – that's been the arc we've been on. Like, you know, Driftwood got into one festival, and three people came and saw it. <laughs> and then – but then we had, the, we had the balls to go do give and take. We had more. We had, we, yeah. And people are saying, this is good. And now you've won a couple short film festivals, and now you've been given this grant to do something – really solid yeah it's and i feel like it's a slow it's a slow ascension yeah you right. never think about the steps in between but like right. and like so when they do come when those small milestones come they feel very special yeah and, but maybe more so because now you're aware it's like well it's like you you can see the path you, you can, can kind path. of see the path that you've made and mm. you can kind of envision the path ahead of you right because like yeah well i mean again this is this is something I still have to get over, but like whenever I watch any content that I make personally, like mm-hmm. even give and take to me sometimes i it's hard for me to watch objectionably because to me it still feels like me and my friends playing dress up you know what it's I mean? impossible to be objective, yeah, there's still shots in that movie that I hate well and it it, it to doesn't me, yeah it, it it doesn't feel like a Hollywood well and not that we're going for a Hollywood style movie, but you know to me it doesn't feel cohesive. Right, but that's because I've seen the seams of it all. Right, and like other people are coming back and saying, "No, you're, you, it feels pretty cohesive." I mean, it's rough in some spots. It's my first movie, and that's totally fine. But like, mm-hmm. it's one of those things. And then when you plot it out like that, like you've you've won a short film festival mm-hmm. and you've made this film, and like, and then you sit and you think about it, it's like, huh? It's like when I watch bits of Give and Take and the <laughs> dialogue, I'll be really impressed with some of the dialogue, sure. and then I'll have to, I'll sit there and I'll be like, you know, I wrote that. <laughs> like it's, it's one of those things I have to remember because it's so foreign for me to do an impressive thing so when i think about like yeah you know i wrote that i wrote that That sounds pretty good coming out of that guy yeah but and that's it too is like you wrote it you pre-produced it you directed it we shot like you did the whole thing right like went through the whole journey yeah you have to do it it's no small feat i mean again when when i when i look back on it or when i look at it myself i feel like it's just me and my friends playing dress up Mm -hmm. but like when i look at it and try to be as objectionable as possible it is no small feat Plenty that's of people talk not. about making a movie. Uh, yeah, that's what a lot of people said to me when I did Driftwood. It was like, a lot of people talk about it, but nobody, to actually do it, is, you is, know? Is, is a big deal. Although there's a lot of crap if you go on any streaming service. Like, people are, people well, this are making is what I Well, this is why I always start to feel insignificant, because I mm-hmm. do think then, like, and I feel like this is what you feel when you go through that process once, and you realize that it is a hard process, but... It's one of those things where if you keep your nose to the grindstone, you can mm-hmm. get it done. And then you look at the quality of stuff and you're like, well, and these people put it out and it's not that high of a quality. Right. Like, I guess it's not that. Like, you start to feel like the, the effort that you put in, I guess, isn't being reflected in other people's projects. Interesting. I know what you mean. Like, I saw a trailer for a movie last night called Lockdown 2025. <laughs> and I, I, I just could not believe it. But... Uh, 
So the, I get exposed to all sorts of different budget movies because right. I go on this site to look at movies. Mm -hmm. um, and they have the newest releases and anything that okay. gets released, they put up on there. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes it ranges from like if... If they're doing like Blu-ray releases of movies from the 30s, right. I'll see them on there. Nice. If a hood movie just came out in 2021, starring like a rapper, I'll see that on there too. Okay. And, like, so it, the range is all sorts of crazy, mm -hmm. and like some of the stuff I'll see on there, and like, oh my god. I mean, I really hope none of our friends have done a project like this because I feel like I'm gonna write. But like, I love it when somebody in 2020, 2021, <laughs> with an HD camera, uh -huh. tries to do like a 20s gangster story. Is that a thing? I've seen so many movies where, like, it's just crisp, clean footage of a gangster. And, like, it's ill-fitting suits. And sure, it's, sure. I feel like if you're going to do, like, a period piece, you need to go all out. Like You do. It requires way more. Some people go with, like, more. a $50,000 budget and make it. And, like, <sighs> maybe well, you should have kept that in the chamber, my guy. Although. But, like, something. Again, it's no small feat. What is it? I heard it. I can't remember what show I heard it on, but it was about boxing. And it was, um, no matter what happens in the ring, mm -hmm. and no matter who comes out of the ring, you can you can never call the person who steps into the ring a pussy. Either one. No matter who yes. wins or loses. Neither one is a pussy. Exactly. Because so many people don't step in. And that's it. Like, whoever makes a movie, it can be a good movie, it can be a bad movie, whatever. But you can't call that person... You can't say they didn't do it. You can't say they didn't do it. Yeah, You, you have to call them a director at that point. <laughs> Okay, you're a director. Fine. Yeah, I get my chair now. <laughs> but like, yeah, I guess that's part of it too. Like, no mm -hmm. matter what effort level of effort you put in or what quality you get out, mm -hmm. you did it. You 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 because there's so many points, and even a give and take. I was presented with many opportunities to give up, and like, it's not just sure. hard work. It's sometimes you feel depressed, and it's not even related to anything. Move. You just feel depressed, and you're, you're like, out. I want to give up. Right. And like. I'm sure, like, I'm lucky that I have people that hold me accountable. Like, I'm sure if I told you I was giving up, you'd, like, slap me in the face. I would hope you'd slap me in the face. Well, yeah, it depends what like, point. Yeah. Depends. But we didn't ever, that was the thing, is we just never gave up. Well, that's it. We, we just kept pushing. <laughs> right. Like, and I feel like that's what you have to do sometimes, because life is always going to give you the opportunity to say no, and you just got to keep pushing forward. And Yep. Yep. Like, I, I, I'm just, again, happy that I have people that keep me accountable. Like, again, if, if I went to any of my friends and told them, like, well, guys, I don't feel like I'm making movies anymore. I've given up. They, someone would ask why. Right. What's wrong with you? Yeah. What's the matter with you? But think, too, how long it took to get Give and Take out of the can and into post-production. Like, there was that one night where you came here. I guess it was in the fall after we shot it. And we, we went for a walk and we kind of looked at some footage and we, and we didn't really <laughs> do much. I think that was much. the first day. Yeah. And you were like, you were, as you were leaving, you're like, I'm in a dark place, man. And then you just got in the Uber. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> Oh man, did I say that sounds very cinematic? Yeah, it was pretty cinematic. <laughs> I was just holy I, hell. Okay, you know why? I remember because I feel like and like you kind of helped me see through this because you asked me how stoned I was and I was like very and you're like oh. maybe that's your answer because like <laughs> I had watched the two and a half hour cut that we first got right sure and I wanted to shoot myself because it didn't feel like I wanted it to feel mm -hmm. and I was so scared because again you. you it's one thing to go to your friends and give up. Right. And it's a totally other thing I feel like, and I'm, I'm, this is one thing that I need to learn to get over, but I feel like it's also totally another thing to go to your friends and show them something and then to hear the, yeah, that was, that was good. Yeah, good. You, 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 did, you, you did it. 
Well, that, that, that was a fundamental difference for me between Driftwood and Give and Take. Driftwood was like, people were like, hey, you did it. Like, cool. And Give and Take, people were like, well, shit. Like, I still think people aren't giving Give and Take. I mean, dr- Driftwood, it's due. But like... You had to believe in Shane. You had to, you had to like that performance. Because that's all it was. That is true. Um... But yeah, like so, like again, it's a lyric from a song. I remember: is it worse to like, is it worse to fail and live long, or to fail to live long? Say it again. Is it worse to fail and live long, mm. or to fail to live long? Hmm. Fail to live long. <laughs> or fail and live long, like sure, sure. Like, is it, is it worse to like do something and fail miserably, and you're gonna live till you're seventy? Right. Or is it worth it more to like? Do something until it kills you. Mm. I don't know. I think probably do something until it kills you. <laughs> but like it's it's one of those that, like it's just yeah. What so, do you think? Uh, to to apply this to give and take for instance. The worst I feel like is to fail and live long. I feel like if mm. you constantly have to look. I feel like if I never put give and take out and I constantly have sure. to look at all the effort I put into it and never have seen it, even if it doesn't make a mark in the world, but never have seen even the bad IMDb review. Of like the guy being like, this is crap. <laughs> like I feel like if yeah, I didn't even see that, you watched it. Like I'd leave. Yeah, exactly. Right. You you gave me the view, buddy. Mm-hmm. Um, but like if I didn't if I didn't see that at the very least, like mm-hmm. I wouldn't I wouldn't be able to face myself. I I wouldn't be able to talk because like we all everybody talks a little bit of a game when they're out sure. there and everybody talks. Sure. I wouldn't be able to talk that shit because like mm-hmm. I would just in the back of my head would always be like, yeah, but you gave up on the thing that you said was your passion. You right. said this is the thing that you wanted to do. Right. And you gave up on it. So. Some passion. Yeah, exactly. So what else are you gonna give up on? Right. Like, right. That scares me to be that person okay. too. Okay. Well, I have I have to say like in the last years like since we've been editing give and take you have grown immensely like just from a friend to a friend like coming to my house in the dead of winter to work on that movie you know and, and just pushing 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 just pushing like you didn't used to push like yeah just that's fair i've learned done. to push a little yeah. bit more and like yeah. some because like I, during the editing process i was kind of like yeah I'm, I'm waiting here buddy yeah but now yeah it's gotten a bit more For sure. like, let's let's get this done let's get I, and i feel like and like people saying nice things about the movie which like oh my god dude i think i mentioned <laughs> this the other i don't know if i said it on podcast or not but like if people say bad things about my movie i can live with it like sure. worse things have been said about better people right um by worse people by by yeah by more intelligent <laughs> by better people, people. Yeah, yeah, yeah 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 um but if people and if people are indifferent, whatever. But if people say nice things about my movie, like in a public forum, I might cry. I might generally break out okay. and cry. I remember. That's fair. Why is that? It just it's, it means a lot to you. Obviously, it means, it means quite a bit to like have somebody acknowledge what you've done and like, mm-hmm. you know, you did the thing, and you did it well. What's I'm just I, I keep trying to like what's that well done soldier or something like that? Mm. There's a phrase. Like, sure. Good job, soldier, or something. Go rest. Interesting. But like one of those things where I feel like we're 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 all kind of pushing towards mm-hmm. this thing that I feel like in in mainstream culture, the idea of working in the creative has been normalized as something that ha, good luck if you make it, buddy. Right, right. Don't quit your day job. And I feel like you constantly have to push against that to right. work in this industry because it is a privileged industry to work in. I feel like. Um, mm-hmm. In the upper echelon, I mean, some people in the lower ranks will be like, you're, you're telling me. Well, um, yeah. But, like, some... I still feel like it's a, it's a privileged industry to work in. And, like, we all are pushing against this whole thing, against the stereotype of, like, well, you just want to act or, like, work in movies because right. you don't want to work. Right. Um, and, like, the, uh-huh. the idea of, like, 
this is a hobby. Like all these things you have to keep pushing against and you have to like yes. make your way in the world. That's great. That's well said. And there's, I mean, movie making is hard work. It is the hardest job I've had um, out of IT, out of serving and out of movie making. Mm-hmm. I feel like movie making is the hardest job I've had and the one that's presented the most opportunity for heartbreak. Hmm. There's so much at stake. And it'd be, I mean, I remember at some point when we were shooting Give and Take here, yep. I remember just collapsing on my basement floor after because it's like, this is so It takes good. a lot out of you. <laughs> it takes a lot. It takes mentally and physically. Absolutely. And you're you're totally, you're always concerned with, like, perfection. As close to perfection. As, is it perfectly in focus? Get. Absolutely. Is it a perfect camera move? Is it a perfect performance? Well, I mean, so the other day, I've, I've never felt um, con- self-conscious about my teeth. Of all the things I feel self-conscious about, I've never had any issues. I mean, they're crooked. I get it, but I, I don't mind that much. Not that bad. Um, but we were shooting a commercial in okay. Calgary. Right. And I remember sitting there in the in the performance, mm-hmm. and like in my head, I was like, they, they were like, you got to smile with your teeth. Mm-hmm. And like I started thinking, all right, I got to smile, but I can't show the bottom. I got to show the top uh, row, and like I got to make the perfect smile. And like it, damn, it comes out, you got to get the performance, like, and then you got to repeat it over and over and over again. Right. And that, like that was difficult. I, I just felt I became very aware of my uh, movements at that point. And then I start to... And so this is the difference between being an actor slash director on a project that I'm doing versus being an actor on someone else's project. Sure. I feel like it's more acceptable for me to ask to look at the screen if it's my own project. So then once I look at the screen and I can... I feel awkward, but then I can look at the screen and I right. can be like, all right, you don't look awkward, so just brush past that. Mm-hmm. But in an acting situation... I don't really get to look at the screen. I just have to rely on hopefully the director is doing his job, which he should be anyways. But like, hope. hopefully he doesn't mind my performance. But then I don't get the reassurance that that right. doesn't look, feel awkward. So I still feel a little awkward in there. And like, because you don't have the feedback. I don't have that feedback. I I, I and I I mean most actors I feel like probably feel good about this. I don't know, but like I feel. Not devastated, but like <laughs> a little, a little sad when a director doesn't give me feedback when they're like, "You're doing great," because then I feel right. like I got, like you got to give me something to chew on. You know what I mean? Interesting. Like, but like most directors are good about that. Most directors will be like, "You're doing great," but can you do the smile a little wider or something? And then mm-hmm. that's something I can jump on. Right. Um, I found this doing uh, auditions with Andrea as well because mm-hmm. uh, we've had to do a lot of self tape auditions li- lately. Okay. Um, and like she will do the self tape and then she'll watch it and she'll be like, hey, I like what you're doing. Maybe add a little bit of this. And sure. I just love being given that instruction and I can like figure out how to incorporate it, right. figure out how to work it. Without becoming too self conscious? I feel like once I'm given the instructions, mm. I can avoid the self-consciousness because I have a plan in my head of what to do. At that point, I just kind of rely that it, in terms of looks, they want me. That's what they want. It doesn't matter. I just got to turn in a good performance. So I would, in, mm. at that point, or like, that's why I find it so much easier to like act naturally, I guess, because I have a script and have the words I have to say. I just have to worry about delivering the lines in a believable way. Right. And I don't know if so much of my acting is natural, like, from an outside perspective but I feel mm-hmm. it looks natural and like I just kind of like f- try to feel my way through the lines mm. and, and not delivering them word for word the same way every take no no yeah, yeah. like uh, yeah definitely I'll, I'll definitely change a couple <laughs> words here and there was it useful to act in this commercial and now thinking about when you direct your next thing like even when you direct this thing tonight or, and this month um I don't think it I, I mean, obviously, with every experience you get, you get to learn something new. Right. Um, I don't think there's anything I took away right away mm-hmm. le- from learning something new. Because in, in those situations, I feel like it was very industrial. It was very, um, like, we're here, we're set, 
do the thing. And I'm sure if I had asked questions, people sure. would have been happy to answer them. But like right. in that situation, you don't want to bother people who are working, right? You don't want to ask questions while they're working. Depends Sometimes. who you're asking. True. Also true. Don't ask the key grip what he thinks about how you're doing. You're <laughs> yeah, like, I guess eh? <laughs> But like, sometimes you want to know, like, oh, what does this thing do, or what does that sure. lighting thing do? Right, or, right, like, right. you make jokes with the grips every now and then. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, I maybe I did learn something, but I just mm -hmm. felt like it was so compartmentalized, like not compartmentalized, but so what's the conveyor belt thing? Automated. Sure. Or automated. Like, it was just. Right, very goes cookie from cutter. place to place to place, and we we got, got the you. shots that we need to get. We need to know we know what we need to do. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, uh, yeah. I worked on two things in the spring. The first one was in March, and it was right, like right. A, a studio thing, and it was like sketch comedy. Ooh. And the director was way more like he'd mold the performances, and then he'd sit with the director of photography, and they would block it, and they like he'd really just be got into it. Right, and then I worked on another thing, and it was the director was way more hands-off and he was just like he barely would touch the lead he just trusted that the dp knew what he was doing and he just went through a shot list and it's like both work if you see what you want fine but Absolutely. like it's nice to see a director just get, get in, there, in and there and really like direct try to mold see, yeah i usually try i guess and if when i'm thinking of myself as a director um i mean i trust you i've seen we've, we've done projects together right. so i trust your eye obviously and i right. feel like that's part of like developing a relationship with people where you feel like you can trust huge um, i feel like i'm very concerned about getting the shot i trust the actors to put in a performance mm -hmm. like usually when i show up i show up expecting that the cast has learned the lines and that they're ready to go mm -hmm. and that the performance is theirs and the performance they deliver is the performance they're they're comfortable with right but i guess that makes me the kind of director that i'm not a fan of where i'm just like that's good dude right Sweet. so like i, I gotta yeah. learn to be a little bit more hands-on in that and like I direct guess, a little bit more right that's why i always wonder like what what really is the role of the director because the dp captures everything and he's got his whole team behind him you know what with my with my experience specifically with give and take i've i've kind of had a step in thought um the, the role of director is the project manager in like uh, an engineering company or whatever the pm is, is hmm. basically that who makes sure that like you you have point a and you have point b mm -hmm. and you make sure that everything kind of gets to from point a to point b right because like i guess the producer to a certain degree handles that but the producer is more of the relationships part whereas i feel that the director comes into if you talk um i, I was listening to a podcast the other day about james cameron and like mm. It's interesting. He knows how to do every job on that set, uh, on any set <laughs> sure. that he's in. If you ask him how to move a box, he will tell you this that's how, how you move it. Like he, he he tries to get into everything, and I feel like that's what you need to be to be a director. Is you yep. kind of need to know a little bit of everything and need to know how to get from point A to point B. And yeah, yeah, that's the way to put it. Point A. I always thought of it like it's like a lawyer making an argument in a in a case, or it's like writing an essay. It's like you have to lay it out. And every point along the line, you have to be there and yeah, tie that and knot like and help then, it like tighten up a little bit there. Yeah. And you hire people that you you trust and that you hope will will be mm -hmm. on with you on the same level. And you kind of like just work. And then I guess you work in your individual style. But right, your it, I guess as the director, it is your job to make sure the thing gets finished. Hundred percent. And but that's why it's such a crazy um, art form because it's so collaborative and everybody has a hand in it. And what you make is bigger than everybody. You know? Well, I mean, and this is why I, I'll probably never stop going on about. I feel like it's having a bit of a resurgence. The '70s Italian okay. uh, movie scene, specifically. Mm -hmm. um, have you seen Fear Street on Netflix? No. Uh, it's a it's a horror. Um, Do you ever read Goosebumps? Oh yeah. So R.L. Stein used to write a YA kind of uh, 
uh, Interesting. Uh, goosebump style thing called Fear Street. It was great. I used to love that those books. Rings a bell. Fear Street, like F E A R Street. Okay. Um, and Netflix has adapted them into three movies, and I was watching it the other day, and it's very lurid, like with pinks and purples, uh-huh. and like I feel like we're seeing kind of a resurgence of that giallo style of filmmaking, and we're gonna, especially in horror, like we're gonna see lurid colors, and we're gonna see unusual musical choices and mm-hmm. the like. Um, mm-hmm. This is my little Faisal Nostradamus That's prediction, <laughs> but like I also like going back to that scene because in that scene specifically, there was a very strong. Um, at least the, the impression I get, there was a very strong culture of apprenticeship. Hmm. Um, and it was like Federico Fellini, hmm. like Federico Fellini, Sergio Leone would like rub shoulders with Mario Bava and these people who made cannibal movies, but also Sergio Leone. And like, they right. were all kind of in the same community mm-hmm. and they worked on each other's projects and they had each other's like um, Caligula, right. which was uh, Tinto Brass did that. Right. That was Fellini's art director. Like, it was basically just mm. like, and especially the people who worked in the smaller, like, not the the director job or whatever, but the, music, the musical sure. supervisors, the art directors, mm-hmm. they kind of just all floated in between all these different movies. Um, Ennio Morricone. Sure. He made all sorts of soundtracks for Sergio Leone and this mm-hmm. like, but he also made soundtracks for all the schlock that I watch. Um, <laughs> he had to keep fresh. Yeah, right? well, and I mean, that that's it. It's, it's all so collaborative, and especially that scene, I feel like, Everybody kind of just watched everybody's movies without too much because they. I feel right. like at that point everybody understood that like this is your thing, this is my thing, mm-hmm. and like they just kind of like watched each other or like encouraged each other a little forward. That's cool. It was like a real scene. You it know? was a scene that built yeah. on itself. Fuck, I was gonna say. Oh, did you watch Bo Burnham's special? That inside? No, I did not. I got to sit down and watch it at one point. You'll love it. I was. That's too. I mean, whatever. Because that's I'm the down, first I'm time down. I've asked you if you've seen something and yeah, you said I've no. Yeah, I have seen it. <laughs> but I just watched it last night. It's, I would recommend it for sure. It's, I'll have to check it out. There's kind of this shtick where he's, like, depressed, and it's like, I don't have a lot of patience for that. But, like, what he did, if he really did shoot that all himself, it's incredible. Oh, wow. Okay. Like, it was I'm all self-shot. Yeah. I mean, is, was it in a club? No, it's in, like, his apartment. Oh, wow. Because it was okay. during I'm the... definitely going to have to check that out. During the lockdown mm-hmm. when he couldn't go out, couldn't do anything. So does he have like an audience kind of thing? No, no, it, it's wow. all it's just it's all he does a lot of stuff with lights and music. Like he's very musical. Okay, I'm yeah, no, have to check that out. It's very impressive, and you will laugh at some stuff. I mean, I'm always into that. Like, just free. This is why I love Eric Andre. It's just like mm-hmm. if you can do comedy differently, I'm, I'm, I'm I'll listen to what you got. Sure, Eric Andre. Remember, uh, remember your apartment that time. <laughs> I I watched that special so many times with people. Everybody's just so stoned. I'm just looking around like. oh the fuck is going yeah. on here i get out of here <laughs> did you watch Everyone's it till the like, end no oh yeah i didn't make the it pant drop yeah but did he drop his pants oh on he stage? dropped his pants did the tuck and like oh what a legend i love eric andre so have you seen the movie he was in bad trip no it's like him and um the guy from get out uh the lil rel like the main guy lil rel no the the the, the other the his friend Oh, because I think Lakeith Stanfield was the main guy, and then his friend was Lil Rel, the guy at the end who's like sure, picks him who up comes in the end, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so him and Eric Andre and Tiffany Haddish are like in this like kind of it's kind of like Dirty Grandpa. Okay, it's okay, hilarious, interesting. Um, speaking of, I just have you seen Us yet? Us. That's uh, Jordan Peele's next one. I feel like I did. Uh, Lupita Nyong'o's in it, and it's like people show up. Who yes, look exactly- I did oh see that. Oh my god, I watched that the other day. I dragged did you like my it? feet while I loved it. What did you think? I that was a while ago. I saw that, like yeah, last yeah. summer, maybe yeah. even two summers ago. Yeah, I mean, I dragged my feet. Watch, same sure. with Get Out. I can't believe I dragged my feet so long. Get Out was so good. Oh, and yeah. I wanted more from This Is Us, but it. You know what? 
it, I mean, it's so inventive and so cool, but I just, at the end, I just remember feeling like... Can I ask you, and this is a question I guess I have for horror fans in general, because I've talked to horror fans and stuff. Do you feel like us, the reason you weren't a big fan, because it needed more mythologizing as to who these people were, where they were mm. coming from, and what was happening? It's interesting. I don't because there's mo horror movies that maybe. have mythology built into it where you get to see like, oh, they moved the gravestones, but they didn't move the grave. You know, <laughs> you you get the kind of like mythologizing. And there's some movies like, um, you know, what? it was so political. It was a thinly veiled political metaphor. It was pretty. Yeah. You know what? I, I was watching and I was like, this is very like right. on the nose. Whereas, it's it's kind of like Parasite in, in to a degree. Sure. I feel like. Whereas Get Out was. Obviously, still some kind of. I mean, I, I feel like it was even more politi poignantly political. But do you feel like? For sure. Well, I mean, they were kidnapping black people to harness their labor, basically, right? Wasn't that it? <laughs> yeah. I would have voted for Obama a third term. <laughs> right. Is that a joke in the movie? The old man, the old dude right. who's like talking to Lakeith Stanfield, being right. like, oh, let me tell you, man, I'm on your side. If I would have, I could have voted. Right. It, you know what's. Um, I mean, this is we're going into controversial territory, so like okay. we gotta go there. Um, <laughs> but I was thinking about this the other day, and I was watching a, a streamer. Did you ever listen to the Young Turks? A little bit. And then so, I realized they were too progressive for too me. Too progressive. <laughs> <laughs> too left for me. Um, and one of Senk the guys has on lost there, his mind. Hassan. Okay. Yeah. That, that, so he's a very popular live streamer right now. I'm getting uh, a lot of enjoyment watching him live stream. But Senk? I mean, I, I we have okay. similar political leanings. I feel. Right, and I'm, I don't have any problem with no, 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 absolutely. liberal politics for the most part, but some of the shit you... It's when they just, like, go so hard and make it just like, this is the only way. Well, it's I feel like, like there's a little bit of memeology in it, sure, too. This, sure. It's kind of like, did you ever listen to Chapel Trap House? I haven't got there yet. Same kind of vibe, maybe more so, but it's also like the, the dirtbag left, essentially. Sure. I'm listening to a lot of Come Town these days. Oh my God, Come Town is pretty amazing. <laughs> I do love Come Town. They're horrible. They're the worst people on the planet. Can you help them. me? I was talking to Devin about it. I'm like, I think you can't intellectualize Come Town. You can't. I feel like you can't. Like, uh, yeah. How do they get away with talking like that? I, okay, and this is a thing that Hassan has. Uh, this is an opinion that he has. I feel like I, I lost the thread. Of this I'm drinking a THC iced tea, and That's, I feel like I've lost the thread of many conversations through this podcast. It's for the but, best. You don't try and string the thread. You just keep it going. But I feel like, and this is an opinion that Hassan has, I feel like I can kind of agree, is like, honestly, if you're kind of funny, you will get a little bit of a pass. You just got to right. be, like, genuinely funny. Have you heard of Chet Hayes? Chet Hanks? Tom Hanks' son? Or Chet the, the Hayes. Yeah, Chet the Hayes. untalented Tom Hanks' son. <laughs> sure. Um, yeah. He walks around doing a Patois accent oh, unironically. No. Oh, no. But, like, I mean, look, that's I'll, not I'll cool. give him a pass. He's fun. Like, I just think it's funny seeing this very privileged white dude, like, using a Patois accent. What like, is Patois? Like, uh, Jamaican. Is that oh. he's trying to sound bombaclat with them no no <laughs> kind no, of thing. no it's just no. like it's you have to put on that accent you have to think about it right and you're and doing like, it I, it's just hilarious to watch you try and do this i don't feel like you're actively harming anyone so fine i, I like, guess i feel like a lot of people give him a pass which is but that shows a real lack of like self-awareness right but this is exactly it like some how can you beat self-awareness into a person like he, no, you he can't. feels like he's an ally and he feels like this is his way of showing support <laughs> <sighs> but but with come town it's complete and total self-awareness it's like they know what they're saying is wrong and that's why they're saying it do you well, i think uh, th that's fair but i also feel like they deliver it in a way that like it's funny it's funny you, you, you can't, can't deny that, that show is funny you can't and i don't i feel like the things that they say and this is maybe i can't remember where i heard this as well um 
But jokes are funnier. Some some jokes are funnier when they come from the in community than the out community. Hmm. Like it's funnier when someone from the in community is like, "Man, leftists are like." I will go on for days about how dumb leftists are because like you can actually <laughs> see how leftist. dumb leftists are. Yeah, or you're, you're left leaning. I'm I'm a leftist, but mm-hmm. like the push for uh, the specific. I mean, we can get into Canadian politics too, but specifically the push for Biden, who's mm. like the reason why we're here. In the first place, to begin with, the reason why Trump is here is because of what Biden did in the nineties. And like, sure, yes. the The idea that it's going to change, but it's really going back to status quo. It's just liberals sometimes are very exactly it's idealistic. It's, it's unbelievable. But like, it's funnier. I, like, and this is why I find Hassan Hassan pretty funny. Is like, because he will make fun of like neoliberals and liberals in there, and he'll okay. like constantly make fun of them. Because like, it's funnier to hear jokes from the in crowd because they can see how dumb people are on the in crowd or like right. how ridiculous these particular situations are so. that's a great point it's more authentic because they yeah. it's like yes i agree with these people on a lot of things but they're also really they're stupid. very dumb like to, <laughs> like, right for example like yeah to think that joe biden was going to change anything exactly it's like, it's like no, you're just happy that you... as usual we had bernie and exactly. like i've heard that was your chance bernie was the compromise too like, sure bernie was the compromise right and that all went to hell yeah you're just happy that the blue team won Basically, it's really and, all and, it is. And, like, and the, so, like, and again, I love how everybody keeps talking about how, like, it's the blue team, it's the red team, you're a liberal, you're, or, like, here it's orange, I guess, but, like, but then also, you're still re- voting for a bunch of rich people who, like, <laughs> at the end of the day, and this is, I, I, like, as a person who works, I will hear my bosses complain about, oh, well, they just changed the tax laws, so, like, I can't really give you your overtime, do- like, if you take it out in cash, I got to do this. It's like, right. well, I'm really sorry. That makes me upset. It's like, really, does it, though? Because you're <laughs> making more money. I'm losing here. Right. I'm As sure usual. you're telling me to make me feel better, but really, does it, like, I feel like the political classes are the poor and the rich at this point, or, I, like, the haves and the have-nots. And I think there's more something to that. I I watched Gangs of New York a few, Ooh, have you seen good. that one? It's so good. But there's a line in that movie where, like, all the rich guys are playing pool. And he says, what is it that you always say? You can always hire one half of the poor to fight the other. That's, that's 100% what it always is. All like, right. at the end of the day, we're voting for people who want to enrich themselves. Like, somehow, I've, and I, again, I think I brought this up to you in a personal topic at one point. Maybe I was talking with someone else about this. But, like, I feel like we lost the thread somewhere. I feel like... As soon as we consented to be governed, whenever that was. Well, not even that. I I feel like it was fine when we were being governed. Like, I feel like this whole governing thing has been a working experiment. And, like, there's there's a lot of things that still need to be straightened out. But I feel like at one point, and maybe I'm mistaken because this is a period I did wasn't even alive. But I feel like (laughs) at one point, the influence or the, 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 the goal wasn't to get wealthy. The goal was to... If you're if you're an employer, to provide work to an employee, and mm. the goal was to keep society running. And then I feel like in the '80s or somewhere, something took a turn <laughs> where like suddenly everybody needed to get the big, or even the 2000s with the tech boom. Mm. I feel like somewhere somewhere along the line, people were like, "No, no, no, wait! I need to make my money now so that I can be like the guy." And then like we shifted from like a societal to like more in an individualistic driven thing. But like mm. it's one of those things mm. where like. If it is an individualistic driven thing, you aren't going to hesitate to, like, stab the next person to get what you need. Or in a more realistic sense, you aren't go- you're aren't you not going to be hesitant to, like, do something unethical so that you can save your tax money. Hmm. So that you can keep, you can directly see that result of, like, I got an extra whatever amount of money. Whereas if you pay your taxes, you don't se- directly see that result. And you have to trust that it does sure. go to where it's supposed to go. And, right. I mean... The other side of that, if it's going to where it's supposed to go, that's a conversation that can be had. But right. like, 
I feel like at one point it changed from we to me. Hmm. And like maybe I'm maybe I'm thinking of days that never existed. I think I think you might be. I agree with this. I agree with this theory, but I think the shift happened a long, 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 long time yeah, ago. Long before like we even thought the industrial of. revolution made. Oh yeah, because you know when you I know? was in school, they used to tell us about the. But Luddites. even then, like even then, it was like there was in the Middle Ages, it was set up the same way. Well, I'm listening to a fascinating podcast. The last podcast on left. Oh, yeah. They're doing a Black Plague series. Okay. Uh, they're doing a four part. It's That's interesting sick. to hear how. The human brain has not changed. Like, we, no. we have access to different tools, and we have access... But, like, we still have the same insecurities, the same thought processes. The human brain mm. still very much the same. So what are you learning about the Black Plague? I'm trying to remember everything. It, it was gerbils. It was gerbils, <laughs> not the rats. I thought it was rats. It was gerbils. No, no that it was, was the propaganda. Flea. It was the... F- oh, really? Uh, well, uh, it was a flea, but, uh, like, they're looking at migration patterns, and they're also like, why aren't we seeing tons of dead rats? We're seeing tons mm. of dead gerbils around this time from plague, but we're not seeing tons of dead plague rats. Just we're, wild gerbils? Yeah, like, uh, so they traveled through different... Uh, the Silk Road, before it was an sure. internet thing, used to be a, a trade route. A real thing, yeah. yeah. From like from like from India, China. Uh, I or... think yeah, because that's where you would get silk the and spices Orient. and the yeah. right. Yeah. Well, I mean that is a technical term. Oh, do you know what the Western version of that is? I'm afraid. Quiz you. Uh, the the Western version of. So we have the Orient, mm-hmm. and then you have the Occident. The Occident. Oh, there nice, nice. The Occidental nice. and the Oriental. Very nice. They are technical terms. But you can't use the word Oriental. You anymore. can't describe someone as like Orient. You but can you, use it as like a cultural describer. But you, but you can't sure. call someone that. You can That's say like, the, and you can say I'm going to Oriental Express for lunch. Somehow that's also okay. fair because I think also that's just kind of describing. A, I don't feel like Oriental Express really has any set cuisine. Like is it Chinese? No, Japanese? There's noodles. It's an express through the Orient. Right. You, it's the whole damn thing. <laughs> so I think I think you're right about that. I read this fascinating essay called The Anatomy of the State. Who was that by? Murray Rothbard. Okay. And I read it like seven, eight months ago, so I'm going to butcher it now. It's always funny to me about academia because I will will, like read all these essays or like these complicated thoughts. Right. And you'll be like, yeah, I totally get this. And then six months you're like, no, I I swear I remembered this. (laughs) Then you're speaking into a microphone about it. It's like, hmm. (sighs) But it was the same idea. It's like... When you said the, the the real division is like the rich and the poor, like that's a pretty Marxist statement, but I think it's inherently true. I think it it always will be true. Like I feel like when you live in, and the reason why I feel like it's a specifically Marxist, because I feel like when you live in a capitalist situation, like it it progresses forward. I'm sure capitalism in its early stages was great because everybody was paid like it was it was five cents for a glass of milk. It was great. Um, <laughs> But I feel like as currency inflates and, like, sure. you, you, you basically get into Blade Runner times. This is what I'm afraid of <laughs> all the time is, like, we're end up gonna we're going to end up. And, like, I see things that I used to read from cyberpunk novels. I used to, when I was a kid, <laughs> I used to read all sorts of cyberpunk novels mm-hmm. and, like, comics and shit. And, like, you see things, like, people be talking about risk communicators or, like, sure. face scanners. And, like, in, even in the 2000s, these things were, like, whoa. Right. But, like, and you see these things happening more and more. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm afraid, and like, also a big point in those books is the division between the rich and the poor. Yeah. Where like, which the, is very much the yeah, case which now. What's happening right now is like you're getting more and more of this divide, and you're getting all these. I don't know how you feel about Elon Musk. Um, I I think he's just a big narcissist. I feel like he's a grifter too. Like, <laughs> oh really? I, I had so many people who were talking about that Dogecoin thing when it popped off. 
mm-hmm. and like he's gonna go on SNL and he's gonna like the Dogecoin thing is gonna like right. jump and it didn't because like he didn't say anything really. Though, well, either. no, but, the, but that's the plan is like. You, you don't say anything until SNL because then hype, 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 right, hype. Right, And then you cash out just before and then it crashes and then suddenly people are left holding bags. And it's like, I feel like that's part of the culture that's going toward. And this is why I, I can't do cryptocurrency. Like Interesting. I feel like most of it is a pump and dump scheme. I think a lot of those shit coins probably are. Oh, absolutely. I, I think Bitcoin, I, I just, think there's potential there. There's a bunch there. of YouTubers who just caught up, got caught up in like a, a oh, really? save the kid tokens. Oh, man. <laughs> Scam the kids. Is that where they went to the site one day and it was just like, fuck you, we're gone? Well, basically, they like, we're like, we're going to, uh, we're going to do this uh, cryptocurrency and it's going to have like a built-in charity mm-hmm. and like anti-whale measures so you can't sell off all your shit. And mm-hmm. like, we're going to do it. And they got people in and people were going in on it. And then they did a pump and dump where, like, at the height of the mania, they dropped it. And really? they, they dropped all their coins. And you know what the crazy thing is? And this is the part that, like, scratches my head. $30,000 is all they did it for. And these people are, like, YouTube influencers of, of the highest tier. Like, that's a brand do- endorsement deal, thirty grand. Yeah, that's not much, really. In like, it's a lot of money, but it's sure. also not a lot of money. But, like, 30 racks for, like, your, uh, <laughs> your, your, your reputation. Sure. Your, like everything and so it's known that they did this i mean it's speculated but mm-hmm. like it's one of those things that like nerds on youtube will go and do like look at this they actually did this but like it doesn't always get out to the mainstream this is another thing i feel like again we've lost the thread of the oh there is there is no thread but this is another thing i feel like i don't know sometimes like i'll be scrolling through my feed mm-hmm. and i'll be looking through my reddit feed my facebook feed my and i feel like there's a growing anti-capitalist sentiment but how much of that is the bubble that I've created for myself where I see this and like how much of the people outside of that world are actually aware of these things well you should come look at my Twitter timeline because it's the the opposite exactly exactly so like yeah like how much of it is this bubble that we put ourselves in and again that scares me because like Mm -hmm. the revolution will not be televised no it could be happening without well I think it is happening I mean you're not even aware I wanted to run something by that I, I hate to do this because I heard it on another podcast. No, no, please. You know Flagrant 2 with Andrew Schultz? I know Andrew Schultz. Yeah. I've not heard. Does he have a new podcast? It's not he's the been Brilliant go- Idiots? No, I think he's got another one now. Okay, but okay. He, he had Alex Jones on a few weeks ago. <laughs> it was so good. But they were talking about the Elon and the Dogecoin thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Alex Jones told all these stories about like going to like pitch meetings in Hollywood and, and like the old men just like they... They grope the young guys, you know, like how Terry Crews got groped. That. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair and they're enough. talking about, it's like, it's not a sexual thing. It's just like a power thing. It's like, I can, I can. Sexual assault is always a power thing. Right. It's never a sexual thing. And I forget who said it or they came to the conclusion where it's like, what Elon is doing with Doge is the same thing. It is. I mean, yeah, it's it's a power move. It's one of those things because, and I, I mean, I was thinking about this while I was watching a whole thing about Coca-Cola. But like, at this point, <laughs> these fucks are, are rich enough that they don't have to worry if they lose their net worth or anything. They're rich right. forever. What they now have to worry about is a hagiography, about mm. making sure that history remembers them as that guy. Because like, now it's not about wealth. Now it's no. about like generational like, 100 years from now, like, right now how we talk about, who's, who's a real shit person from 100 years ago? Just anybody, generally, from 100 years who's ago. The, who's the guy, Hearst? Wait, I don't know if he was a, William Randolph William Hearst? William Randolph Hearst. He's a real big shithead. I, I don't know He's that. the reason why pot is illegal. <laughs> yes. Um, amongst many other things. Or, like, Rockefeller, where we look sure. back and we're like, man, that guy was a real shithead. But, like, but, I feel like these people have now become conscious of that and are now trying to, like, 
actively create a cult where like we can't go back and be like right. that guy was a shithead right they've rewritten they're because, trying to rewrite it actively because financially there there is a, they're set there's they're, a limit and there's got to be a limit did, to what really makes a difference well, i would think did you think. ever see that video that i try not to watch too often because it just makes me sick and cry okay but like the the one where the guy draws out like zeros to be like all right this is two hundred fifty thousand. this is a million this is what okay. a billion dollars would look like in zeros okay and then he's like all right now let me scroll through this billion dollars and i'm just gonna pick a random line and i'm gonna remove two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. now let's scroll through it again can you find where that 250 let's remove two million mm. scroll through again can you see the difference and yeah you're saying like it doesn't matter they could lose no oh, 50 million 300 million they wouldn't feel it. It, it it makes no difference to them and so but what does make difference is if they're vilified in the court of public opinion hmm. now is that too also why things like pedophilia and like human trafficking and 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 sexual assault or whatever is that then that becomes the game it's like power over other people like i have all the money in the world you know what and that's an interesting thing because like that's a thing with the rich isn't it for some reason like they all <laughs> seem to be like i used to have a bit as well i don't know I, sometimes i would i want to try and try i've never actually tried it out but i feel like if you have more than five million dollars i need you to show me active proof that you're not a pedophile like i need that's, active that's proof. pretty funny otherwise i'm just like it's a good I can't bit. trust you <laughs> It's a good bit. Like, it just seems like every time. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's I what like, Eyes Wide Shut is about. Yes. Yeah. And I feel like it's, it's, it's again, a power, because it's, it's the thing, and I, in my head, it was always cannibalism, but it's the thing that society has, as a whole, decided, not that. Yeah. You can do a lot. Well, I mean, if you look at our sentencing, maybe it's not so much, well. but like, in the, in, in, in the sense of public opinion, you can murder someone, but we not could... assault a child. Sure. Sure. Or like you can't eat a person. You 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 can you can be <laughs> you can be a murderer. You can't be Jeffrey Dahmer. Right. Just don't eat the brain. But like it gets to the point where like and maybe then it's like you you like it's just the the idea of doing the thing itself is so giddy mm. that mm-hmm. it like then pushes you into that. And like yep. uh, this is coming from me watching tons of To Catch a Predator. <laughs> but like it's one of those situations also where like. It start and or even like with serial killers, uh, you give yourself a little allowance. Mm. It doesn't always start with murder, or it doesn't always start with child. Like it doesn't start with pedophilia. Give yourself a little allowance. You're like, all right, I'm just gonna go and like microwave a cat. Well, not even that. To, even smaller than that, I'm going to fantasize. Shoot a bird. I'm gonna fantasize, or yeah, like these are the fantasies that I have sure, of sure. killing someone, or I'm gonna like. You don't actively have to physically do anything either. Like, mm. Jeffrey Dahmer used to sit and fantasize about eating this jogger. And, like, eventually, to a point, it gets to where fantasy isn't enough. And then right. you have to do something. And, like, sometimes a lot of people put themselves in situations where they have to then do the next thing. Where, like, they don't give themselves an out. And it's all in in pursuit of, like, getting to that next getting feel. Well, it's I would that... say from the stock, like even from stocks, it's like, it's like a getting feeling to like mm-hmm. do something where you feel like you're getting over on people. Right. Interesting. And it's that dopamine release where like after it's a while, it's an intense dopamine you, release. I can imagine. You don't get the same dopamine release from one, no, one drink no, anymore. No, I need yeah, to. You don't get it from watching anymore. Now you have to actively participate. And then right. like, so th- this is why some, some of these things are slippery slope where you don't want to police people's thoughts. Tom, what's his name? The guy who played Lone Ranger, uh, Army Hammer. Army Hammer. You don't want to police oh, people's thoughts, right? But well, he he just he said it out loud though. I, sometimes you're just like, I don't know, dude. Like it's fine, but like, are you going to? 
We don't want to police people's <laughs> thoughts, Tom. I mean, there's a Tom sitting there right now being like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. I know. But, I, but it's just like, are yeah. you gonna? That's, that's the question. Well, like, that's the question for sure. But, and it's actively harmful. Like some things, uh, I used to know, I, we both know, used to know a person, and he would actively, I used to get really mad at him sometimes, but he would actively talk about how the LGBTQ um, thing mm-hmm. is the same as NAMBLA. Hmm. Or like, like Nambla is a part of the LGBTQ movement. Okay. And I used to be so mad because I would like, you don't understand consent at all then because those are children. And what is Nambla? <laughs> um, so the funniest ever South Park episode. So Nambla actually stands for the National Association of Man Boy Love Association. Okay. Or some crap like that. Sure. Um, and then South Park had a hilarious episode where like. There was a rival NAMBA, which is the National Association of Marlon Brando Impersonators or something. <laughs> that's funny. National Association of Marlon Brando Lookalikes. Okay, that's fucking funny. That's um, why South Park was the best. Oh, some, yeah, some of their some of their stuff was like, because I remember some of their stuff where I was like, well, you contradicted yourself in the last episode. But like they, yeah. they, they, they were pretty funny about all of it, honestly. Right. But okay, so th- let me ask you that, though, then, like LGBTQ it's like it's like would you it's like you ever seen that billboard where it's like where would you draw the line would you eat a chicken yeah would you eat a cow yeah would you eat a pig yeah would you eat a dog no so we draw the line there but i this, i don't really know or no, care no, no, i'm i'm, I'm tr- really trying to be open minded no, here please, please. just in your opinion lgbtq any sexual identity you want we will accept it or do we know for sure that we're going to draw the line at children forever we're going to draw the line at consent i feel like Okay. It has to, the line has to, so that's why bestiality is a thing that should, is right. not, because animals can't give consent. Children can't give consent. Right. People who are actively being murdered <laughs> can't give, like, I, I feel like that's where you draw the line is good like, point. Can, a, can the person who you're subjecting your whatever onto give consent? That's a great point. Um, that's, that really should be it, right? That, that, that's the only end of and it. Then we and just it's have such to say a tricky it. thing as it is between adults. Like, consent is one of the... Is, I don't want to muddy the waters or anything, but it is a tricky thing, even between adults. Um, because it's mixed up in people's feelings and stuff like that. Right. Children don't know what any of that is. No. Yeah, animals don't know what any of that is. No, no. Um, I was actually... It's it's funny that you bring up that, the, the animal thing, because this is another thing I was thinking of. Um, have you watched Sweet Tooth? No. Netflix? No. It's a great show. Um, it's Hybrids are being born, and they have, like, animal Oh, yeah, features. I heard about this, yeah. And, like, I start watching it, and one of them can talk, but the rest of them can't. Okay. And that's the one reason why nobody kills this one kid. And I start thinking hmm. about, is that the line that we're going to draw then? Like, because he can talk? Like, hmm. and the, because you know me, I've had, like, back and forth with vegetarianism all the time. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And, like, it just, it still troubles me. And, like, it's oh, hard I to see. switch back to, to vegetarianism. Mm-hmm. But like, is that the line? Like consciousness? Because I don't feel like that's a that's a good line. I, I I I would like to move back to vegetarianism. And once you're in it, it's it's easier. Like it's it's. I don't. I'm not gonna say it's hard to stop eating meat. It's just hard to make the decision to stop eating meat. But right. Like, I, I, feel I like start thinking about where that line is. Right. The trouble I think is that people try and draw the line for other people. No, that's that's that's. Well, I mean, in in terms of like vegetarianism and stuff, yeah, that's fair. I, I feel like that line should is a personal line. Like, yep. I feel like at this point, society has decided enough of that these animals. But like, yeah, this it's a personal it's a personal line to take. There is uh, so the the vegetarians and vegans that do take umbrage with the exploitative. Um, practices of the food industry those hmm. i agree with like sure I, I feel like animals should at least be treated humanely if you're planning to eat it at least like put a bow on it <laughs> right well 
that's the whole problem with the way things are now is like to feed billions of people efficiently there's no way well the brazilian like beef market is fucking up everything in saskatchewan from what i, I barely understand oh, any really? of these things but i know a friend <laughs> who, okay. like, i have a friend who who is involved with cattle in saskatchewan okay. and like because the brazilian beef market produces in such bulk quantity and mm-hmm. like so quickly apparently like they kind of make it harder for anyone else to make a real profit oh they can ship it over to north or up yeah. to north america sooner yeah I, I may be wrong on this but i believe that's how it goes and like yeah mm. So, like, again, and this goes back to we've lost the thread of, like, are we trying to supply a society or are we trying to supply the whole world? Well, that's exactly the problem is globalism, probably. <laughs> right? <laughs> are the frogs. It's the, they're turning the frogs gay, Joel. <laughs> but, no, I do agree with you. I mean, that is uh, – I feel like globalism, especially on the Internet, is such a loaded term because I've, I've been on the Internet for a long time and it <laughs> always ends with Jews. And, like, that makes me really sad really? sometimes. I find, like, especially the word globalist, every time I get on the net and I start digging into it a little more, mm. it, it either ends up being a code word for Jews or people who express those views eventually have some very troubling I, views I about no, the Jews. I didn't know that. When I said globalism, I meant but more I mean, like the global interconnectedness I, I of society. I do agree. Well, and we could get into a whole history about, like, how Jews were only allowed to work in the financial sector and so that they became the people who work in, like, the big mm. Rockefeller centers and, like, the Rothschilds. And it's not actually the Jewish people that we have umbrage with, but the people that have work in the financial sector – like, mm-hmm. there, there should be a line drawn there. Well, that's, the, like, that's it, right? But like, the financial sector is who we have umbrage with. And, quote-unquote, again, the globalists, I just, it's, it's hard to use that term on the internet because it's just so loaded. Well, but like, yeah. The, financial, the world financial sector is, is, are the people that we have issues with. The world banking system. Sure. That, I've heard that before. I don't understand it well enough. But I think that's probably it, right? Have like, my problem that? is not with you because you're African no, or Indian or whatever. No, it's like, why? <laughs> or whatever you are. You're some kind of combination there, Some boy. kind of different looking Chinese or something. <laughs> right? Like, but, but that's the lines that the so-called they or the so-called elite would love for us to war over that. Well, when really... It's, it's more like, yeah, we, because, and again, this is very Marxist talk to a certain degree, but it, like, well, it's stopping collective organizing. Hmm. And like collective unionizing. Sure. Like there's nothing... I just saw an ad for Walmart the other day where they were talking about how they empower the community by speaking to local farmers and getting their products from local farmers. So, and then like, obviously they didn't say this part, but like, why would you want us to raise our prices to pay our people fairly? And why do you need to unionize? Look at how good we're doing. Interesting. But like, that's a great point. I feel like that's a, and again, this is the thing I was watching on Coca-Cola where like, there's a lot of goodwill pushed by these people in terms Mm -hmm. of like charity. And in terms of like, look, we're setting up all these academies and we're like, giving all these grant scholarships and that's all good. Mm -hmm. Pay your fucking taxes. We're like, (laughs) You know, well. do the basic minimum requirements of society, and then if you want to get a pat on the head for doing, like, the... Mm-hmm. the, the honestly, at the end of the day, I, I feel like if you're a celebrity, again, if you have more than five million... If you're, if you're doing charitable work, I really don't want to know anything about it. Like, <laughs> go fuck yourself. I'm happy you're doing it, mm-hmm. but I don't want to hear about you doing it. Well, yeah, don't... I don't want to give you a pat on the head. Right. You still... And even if you pay your taxes, good. Mm-hmm. That's what you're supposed to... What's that old Chris Rock bit where he's like... Well, my baby doesn't go to jail. That's what you're supposed to do. <laughs> like, That's a great. Yes. Like, if you have a bunch of extra money you don't know what you're supposed to do with, you're supposed to give it away. You're supposed to pay your taxes. You're not getting a pat on the head for that. I like I like what you said there about um, preventing collective organization. Yeah. Like that, that is, I guess, a pretty Marxist thought also, but that's kind of it. 
because there's enough of the people in the lower classes and in the the working class, whatever, to if there really ever was a ru- an uprising. Oh, it'd be over. It'd it be, over. be even, over. Not even an uprising. If there was a general strike, hmm. if everybody at one point just decided we're putting down our tools collectively. Do you remember the London riots, 2010? Uh, London was on fire vaguely, for seven yeah. days. Okay. It all started with BBM messages. Really, BBM. eh? Well, a couple. Of, if, if I'm remembering this correctly, it's been years, like you said, but like. A couple of kids started sending out BBM messages to each other, being like, "Hey, we're kind of tired of what's happening, and we're going to show up in London, and we're going to like mm-hmm. say our have our be heard." Right. And it just spread like wildfire, and like London was on literally on fire for seven days. I'm pretty sure. Like mm-hmm. there was a lot of riots happening in downtown London, and it's like, well, these things were like, yeah, if if, if you get enough head steam, if everybody mm-hmm. collectively decides, mm-hmm. we're done. Right. And and that's why population control might if you're a conspiracist you might see that as being a tool of the elite is well, to keep... maybe you don't even need to be too much of a conspiracist um jeffrey epstein i was <laughs> amazed yeah i know right you don't have to be a conspiracist jeffrey epstein <laughs> dun, dun, but i was dun. like amazed yeah, yeah. that like we didn't tear down city hall when this when when it came out because like not only are these motherfuckers preying on us financially and metaphorically but now they're actually like literally physically preying on us right like how did people not lose their minds and like and then he killed himself and everybody was just like I don't think he killed himself. Well, I mean something happened. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, something. You, I mean, you want me to get into my thing? I don't think Jeffrey Epstein ever existed. I think the oh, face really? attached to the name Jeffrey Epstein got too inconvenient, and they decided they whatever they did, they either like gave him a rope and told him to do it, or they got rid of him. But there's another Jeffrey Epstein under a different name walking around right now with the same grants and the same access doing to the one. same things. And it's just because. Whoever is in charge needs a lightning rod. Hmm. And for that brief moment, Jeffrey Epstein was the lightning rod. And then he got too inconvenient. That's interesting. And so that lightning rod, because like if Elon Musk wants to run around and do whatever the hell he wants to do, he can't do it under his name. But hey, Jeffrey Epstein. That's interesting. Um, Yeah, because for sure, it's like if what was really going on was going on and the general public then knew about it. It's over for that guy. Because yeah. Because he became well, too big. Well, and I'm surprised we didn't tear everything down because that's disgusting. And then I started seeing, and I, I have to say, I saw it mostly on right-wing media mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. outlets, but that meme of Epstein didn't kill himself, like da-da-da-da-da, like something unrelated. Oh, I oh, see. Oh, did you know that in 1986, Back to the Future was shot and scripted, mm-hmm. and also Epstein didn't kill himself? And like, I feel <laughs> like... Again, you're getting conspiracy theorists, I guess, but like eh. that was a concentrated effort to normalize that. So that became mm. another stupid fucking meme of like, oh yeah, Epstein didn't kill himself, and we didn't like collectively like realize. Wait a minute, we're being preyed on. Interesting. And there's, I wish I could call to mind some other instances of that, but even even that show you're talking about, Sweet Tooth, is is that like human animal hybrids? Yes. And those are. Like, Alex Jones talks about it, but it's since been in the mainstream news that th- that's real. I mean, here's the thing: you, you but they're think normalizing about the... it in entertainment. And we're... Well, whatever they're talking, whatever whatever we've read in science fiction, whatever we right. do, you really think they're not experimenting on it, or they're not trying to figure out how to do it? Of course, because like the amount of resources that's available to secret government, like AI alone, scares me. But like the whole M- MK Ultra, like the government has not given anybody any reason not to trust them. Like I and. I mean, I've gotten my vaccines. Mm-hmm. I understand, like, I feel like a conversation needs to be had, mm-hmm. but I also understand when people don't want to give, don't want to get vaccines because, like, the government has never given you any, um, any reason to trust them, especially, and specifically, I mean, I'm not to make this partial, um, 
what is it, partisan, mm -hmm. but like specifically people of color. The government has never given from the Tuskegee stuff to sure. like to what like residential every dead schools. body we're pulling up out of the ground now. Like it has never given, especially people of color, any reason mm -hmm. to trust the government. So mm -hmm. like if you're gonna say I don't want to get my vaccine because I don't trust the government, I can't chastise you for. I feel like we need to have a conversation. I know, but I can't chastise you for it because like that's why. Of I course, I cannot believe that eighty percent of people in Canada almost are vaccinated, and it's like. An undying, an undying trust in the government and in science, which is just... I feel like, it, well, it's specifically for the vaccination, I think it's more, maybe, yeah, more a realization of, like, and, like, this is why I also feel like maybe we're having more of an anti-capitalist, more of a, a, a socialist or a, a collectivist um, sure. thought uprising, is because people are starting to realize, like, the government is crooked as fuck, but, like, also, <laughs> this is something that could, like, cause untold misery and has caused untold, except for, and again, I have another, like, for some reason, I have a bit where, like, I think I've ranted about this bit where, like, there's something pr protecting right-wingers, but it's not God. It's something dumber. Because, like, all these people have comorbidities. And, like, <laughs> I guess cancer, I, I, I'm not, I'm, please forgive me because I'm getting controversial. I, I guess cancer it. finally did the job it was supposed to do and got rid of Glenn Rush Limbaugh for us. <laughs> like, one good person finally cancer did its goddamn job. <laughs> or like, COVID. Trump got COVID. Or like, who's the fat dude from New Jersey? Chris Christie. Yeah. He got COVID and it didn't kill either one of them? <laughs> what does that tell you? It's not doing its job. <laughs> I don't have a problem with hearing that. It's, all, it's just like, you're talking about dividing along uh lines political li arbitrary well, lines well i mean and to i guess in that regard and i guess this is also again where the young turks and the chapo trap houses go is like you you're drawing wide lines of mm. like all right wing people are idiots but of course i mean that's not how it goes no but it's kind of just picking out specifically i think it's a moralistic thing for me at least like sure. i i feel like i can probably agree with certain republicans but who knows maybe i will maybe i won't i can mm -hmm. at least agree with conservative thought to a certain degree maybe who knows mm -hmm. but i don't agree with like for example chris christie shutting down an entire bridge so he can hang out on a like on a like essentially everything that he's done or sure, like sure. the kind of crony politics that mm -hmm. does happen and it happens on the left but it also happens on the right like it's just crony politics and sure like, it happens right here in this province Absolutely. Absolutely. It's 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 just one of those things where like I just wish the horrible diseases would do their job. Wouldn't you just hope for better people? <laughs> Nobody has to die. I'm gonna get a refill. For sure. I will uh I'll entertain the people. You can do a bit if you want. Let me see here. Let me let me see what I got in my bit folder. I mean, I got a bit about how we've come so far, and now we have to invent a time machine so we can go back and murder Alexander Graham Bell so life will be better. Um, let me see here. <laughs> um, I always wanted to, like... I have a bit where, like, sometimes you have to be the first in order to, like, okay. make an impact. Right. Like, you got to be weird. Definitely. And then I ended with, like, Sesnespaun <laughs> Gotzi. And, like, I mean, if you get if you understand both of those references. I love that one. I've heard that. I like that one. 
I think there should be a visual <laughs> meme that goes. Cessna Spawn Gotzi. I honestly think that should be like the inside liner of Give and Take DVD. <laughs> Just everybody, like, after you read through the whole booklet and everything, there it is. Gotzi. <laughs> With like a little caption. Just you. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, Goatsy's pretty crazy, eh? Oh my god. Did you ever play Crazy Taxi? Oh yeah. I used to have a port on of PS1? Cra- See, it used to be ported onto the play- onto the PC. And okay. I used to have a port of the uh, Crazy Taxi on PC. But okay. like for some reason, the guy who made it mm-hmm. decided, like who ported over the hacker, decided that one of the openings, so you had your like Midway Entertainment, and then the other one right. would be Bart Simpson bending oh. over and spreading the cheeks, and it's Goatsy. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like every time you booted the game up, you had to look yeah. at that. Oh. The internet of the early 2000s, my friend, was a wild place. And, oh man. I think earlier when you were talking about um, the shift from away from collectivism to like this ruthless... Um, individualism. Individualism, yeah. And you said maybe it was in the 80s or the 2000s, but I think maybe it was the rise of the internet that made us so much more aware of it. Of it, of well, yeah, or the rise of social media, Internet 2.0, sure. I would say. Sure. Um, where we became so much more aware of the things we don't have, maybe, and then yep. like rise and grind culture got a hold. <laughs> rise and grind culture. Yeah, where it's well, I mean, you you you've met you've met all these people. I've right. met so many people who are like, I grind, I hustle, I do the thing. Right, but and, they never say what the thing is. Well, I and mean, then you find out they're selling iPhone wrist straps. It's like, yeah, oh. well, I mean, everybody's like, I, I got the hustle, right? right. And like, and I don't hate you if you're getting paid. That's no, no, thing. no. But I mean, everybody thinks you can. You, it's uh, what's, what's that future song? It's like from a hundred thousand to a hundred thousand to an, to four hundred thousand to five hundred thousand to a mm. million. But it's not. That's not how that works. <laughs> There's the steps in between. Well, I mean, you gotta get to a hundred thousand first, and like that's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. If, if you got, if your income is fifty thousand, for me, for example, if your income is fifty thousand dollars a year, mm-hmm. hundred thousand in one place is a lot of money. Sure. Yeah, it's all relative, for sure. It's all relative. I mean, yeah. But so you yeah. go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just gonna say that. That's that's kind of the society we live in, and. Mm-hmm. Next 50 years are going to be impressive. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. Do you... I really don't see a way out, and I don't really see a happy ending here. I think I, there's a lot of good in the world still, but the general trend here is is toward a huge separation between the rich and the poor. Cyberpunk times. Well, really. Like, we're basically going to Blade live, Runner. Yeah, we're going to live in Blade Runner, and that's, that's my fear, and my real... Like, and everybody's going to be way too strung up on fighting with you because your skin color is different than me, and then we're going to look around or and Or even just strung up on, like, like Philip K. Dick had it, too, or, like, the drugs and, like, anything. <laughs> like, they're going to keep you occupied. Bread like, and circus. Yeah, or you're going to be following some jackass on Twitter talking about how he's moving to Mars, and you're going to be clapping for him and buying his and then, pump and dump coin. Like. <laughs> and then you're going to realize... I saw a great tweet where it was like, should we be concerned that the elites are kind of starting to you know focus on getting well you know what and here's off here's what this I planet. feel like if you're if you're getting off this planet that's fine bitch we're taking like this is again Emma Goldman is a person you should look into I okay. love her um, okay. she's an old timey anarchist but like she had a quote that I think applies today more than ever she was okay. like if you don't have work demonstrate at the houses and the buildings of the supplier of the of the people that control society and demand work and if they don't give you work, then demand bread. And if they don't give you bread, then take it. Hmm. And I feel like that's the simplest thing possible. Like, 
It's interesting. You want work. That's what the that's what the person wants at the end of the day. Everybody wants work. Everybody wants to l- earn a wage mm-hmm. and pay for themselves, pay for their family, pay for their dreams. And I feel like if you're in charge of society, your role is to supply that work in a way that's equitable and fair. Mm. And if you can't supply that work, I'm sorry. It then becomes your job to provide bread. Like, mm. This is the society we live in. You want it to be rich, you are rich, but part of like using public infrastructure, mm-hmm. using anything that like to make nobody makes it make is independent with uh, wealthy independently i don't feel like that's that's a thing that you can do um, no that's a good point and that's so, a myth like, though that's the american it's absolutely, dream absolutely well and it is and like that's why again people cheat on their taxes and stuff because they're like well i made this money but it's like no you didn't you <laughs> drove on the roads you used the hospitals you went to school interesting um and then it becomes your job if you become one of the few lucky ones and it's all luck it's none of your like i'm sure it's a lot of effort but like it is a big part of luck and like mm-hmm. if you're one of the few lucky ones that get to be in this privileged position and suddenly we're in a nightmare t- time i'm sorry your surplus is gonna have to get given up that's interesting um, yeah and you're making you a pretty if you don't come with it like just readily then mm-hmm. what's stopping us from taking it see i'm always so fascinated by the the inherent like compassion to to real leftist politics like what you're talking about is trying to build a, a society where more people are uplifted whereas a conservative more right-wing politics Merit- aren't, merit- aren't that. meritocracy meritocracy where i don't think that exists and i feel like the the longer i live i feel like meritocracy isn't really no i don't it the the, the deck is stacked the deck is 100%, 100%. stacked I, I think that maybe meritocracy exists in certain industries niches you oh, know yeah absolutely like rogan always says it exists in stand-up comedy and maybe it, you might say it exists in entertainment it's like but even now it's like we're seeing even a lot then, of like there's a lot of like fail sons that are getting into like mm. acting and like fashion designers and mm. um even comedy well like honestly i can't i'm trying to think of comedians where i feel like they don't deserve one it is one of those jobs where you have to convince people you have to, to like be you. funny yeah <laughs> but i wonder about like hard hard blue collar jobs where it's like if you can't run the machinery or you can't stand the heat you don't do the job yeah what about that but that's like real hard labor and i feel like that should be the i feel like especially and i'll I'll put it back to amazon delivery drivers Mm. i feel like that needs to be the most coveted job on the planet i feel like someone needs to be like yo i'm an amazon delivery driver man right because like you people need me well exactly you literally think about the society we live in today if there were no amazon delivery drivers like wouldn't work i wouldn't get my hard drive tomorrow that i ordered today exactly <laughs> exactly so i feel like that needs to be one of the most coveted jobs on the planet did you see that thing about amazon warehouse workers shitting and pissing in bags and then they sent out an email saying hey guys don't do it you're gonna get in trouble like right. amazon ceos basically sent out a thing saying we know you're shitting in bags we're not going to improve the situation but don't talk about it but no they're basically like if you do it and you get caught we're going to punish you damn um, but it's like you're what I heard was like the break room is a 20 minute walk and yeah. your, your break is 15 minutes. Well, and then it starts clocking you and like you have trackers. But here's my thing is like I hear all that and I'm still going to use Amazon until the day you I die. You still are. Absolutely. <laughs> but, and I was going to bring this up actually. And I think it's fine because like in this system, you can't not use Amazon. I, I mm. feel like it, it's it's built into the system now. But what you can do is and I don't feel like you do this, but I do. I know there are people that do this. But what you can do is maybe not lose your shit if your package is a day late. Mm, I sure. think that's that's the step that we take. Like we live in microwave culture, 
We live in the culture mm, where if my sure. Uber Eats delivery Absolutely. driver isn't here in 20 minutes, I'm I, there's an outlet I can complain and feel like a big man on, and like or if my Amazon <laughs> sure. delivery driver is late, there's yeah. an outlet I can complain on and be a big man, or like anything, mm-hmm. there's mm-hmm. an outlet I can feel a big man on, and like sometimes maybe <laughs> it's the big man, the big man outlet. Yeah, the big man outlet. You gotta it's watch my out big man. Go. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's a good point. What's, what's up with that? It's only because we've allowed it to happen. I think it's because we're seeing the timers. Hmm. And we feel like, well, 20 minutes is the standard, so why aren't you doing it in 20 minutes? Like, right. we're seeing the timers. Because you remember, I, I, I didn't grow up in Canada during this time, but, like, hmm. the 30 minutes or less pizza thing. Right. Did anyone hold down to that? I think a lot of the... I, uh, that's a good question. I remember that. Because we didn't see the timers then. I don't feel like I was seeing the timers then. Right. But now you have the timer on your little nightmare re- rectangle over here. <laughs> exactly. Exactly that. Everything's been accelerated like this. But I guess you could argue that that's how progress comes. Is if we that, push, well, push to the limit. In terms of capitalism. Well, yeah. That is how progress But I'm comes. more in favor of capitalism, I think, than you are, maybe. No, absolutely. I feel like there needs to be a system where, like... Because the, the the end product of capitalism is that cyberpunk thing, is that situation where, like, right. it becomes, and I guess this is a libertarian idea where I don't fully agree with it, but, like, the market dictates itself. But I right. don't feel like that's the case because I feel like when you deregulate the market entirely and you let it decide on itself, you're going to end up where, we, where we're at now, where, like, Bezos owns every single, like, you can't <laughs> not order from Amazon because they buy everything. Or, like, Bill Gates. I, I hate when people say Bill Gates is a good person because he ruined literally everything. And like, oh yeah, my god! I don't know if I buy that either. He can give away all his fucking money to Africa and like cure malaria. I don't care. I'll be happy when he's dead because like, <laughs> he 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 basically built himself into the office structure. Like he he mm. made it so that Windows was the pre prepackaged thing that you sign up with on your computer, and right. then he made it so that. All apps were incompatible or ran like shit on Windows except his shitty office apps and his <laughs> shitty, like, whatever apps. And, like, it's still how Windows operates where, like, they are the monopoly and right. you have to play nice with them in order to get onto their shitty bullshit. And, like, <laughs> and now they've made it a monthly subscription. And now they made it a monthly subscription. And, like, it's just – well, and that's because they couldn't deal with piracy because everybody kept crying about how piracy is going to ruin the entire – the movie industry, the music industry, mm-hmm. another $100 million mo- movie later, like Gods of Egypt. That, that's when I realized piracy was bullshit. Remember when Gods of Egypt came out? Oh, man. Well, Gerard Butler was an Egyptian. Oh, goodness. And it cost, like, $100 million, and it flopped like hell. And right. I was like, wow, the movie industry is really, like, they, they can just shit this out, and they're still going. <laughs> like, they're really in trouble from piracy. Are they? No, they're not. Not anymore. No, no, no never I see been. what you're saying. It's like they had $100 million yeah. to do this piece of shit. Like, yeah, the clearly people losing money. But, like, you know, it's one of those things where, like, because the subscription services to catch up with the piracy, mm-hmm. but like even then, it's not as efficient because it's been year. Like you're right. late to the party, but like yeah, and and all the antitrust stuff that Bill Gates took in took on in the '90s, and all mm-hmm. the like dismantling of I'm I'm pretty sure I, I might be talking about ass out of this point, but That's like okay. I'm pretty sure it's what this Bill podcast for Ga- <laughs> talking out of your ass. Yeah, absolutely, um, but I'm pretty sure Bill Gates was part of like all the tort reform we ended up going through, where like. Mm. Now you, like, suing someone for, like, having a civil suit is a crazy thing. Like, again, remember mm. how we were all convinced to think that that McDonald's lady who burned herself was some nut who sued McDonald's because <laughs> okay, coffee yeah. was too hot? Right. And then we all realized, like, wait a minute, she actually was, like, seriously hurt and, like... Had every right had, to. Had every right to sue McDonald's. But for, right. like, a hot minute, all of us were like, man, 
<laughs> some people will sue over anything. Some people, yeah, right. Some people will sue over burn But that was part of tort, tort reform, where they're mm. trying to make it like, you have to meet these specific requirements to sue, to uh. hold... Uh, um, to hold a, a public thing accountable for what they're doing. You think Bill Gates had something to do with he that? He absolutely had tons of stuff to do with that okay. in the 90s. He was lobbying for that. And you should look into him, into his his uh, antitrust stuff. And also the the, the prison, uh, the private prison system that he okay. funded in the 90s and 2000s. He's not a good person. As much right. as he tries to convince everybody he's a good person, I don't buy it. I'm sure well, there's plenty of people that will be like, you know, he's a great Well, man. and why why is he like now the forefront and four speaker for vaccines? And because these people are convi- concerned about not creating wealth for themselves because they have more wealth than they know what to do with. They want to become saints. Yep. And they, they want to enter sainthood. Interesting. And they that's want what that... a hagiography is, is, okay. a, is a document made by a saint in order to make sure that they get canonized. These people want to be canonized. Right. Right. And they want, and they want that social control. They want well, that, and that influence. That comes from being canonized. Sure, that sure, comes sure. from being like... Irrepro- Bill Gates the guy who cured malaria. Of course he's going to know everything about everything. When it really, he's just like, like a sweaty nerd who made it lucky. Yeah, who prances around in well, like they, uh, un- unthreatening get-up, so he just looks very well, friendly. Well, they both, both him and... St- Again, don't get me on my little IT rant, but they both robbed Xerox blind. That's where the Windows oh, really? X system comes from. Is like They just took it from Xerox because Xerox was nice enough to show it to them. Like It's all sorts of... Cr- like. Don't forget that Bill Gates wanted to shoot a missile full of sand at the sun. Remember? What did he, why did he want to do that? To make silicon? <laughs> no, he wanted to shoot like a missile of dust into the atmosphere to, to block out the sun to help with global warming. Oh my God. And someone this, had to this say, Monty Burns motherfucker. You cannot do that. <laughs> but what I think is so crazy is that you use that language like it's hagiography hey, or whatever and these people want to be saints in the secular world where religion is not a thing well, they're rewrite they're they're rewriting feel, religion well i feel like really, especially now again with all the bodies we're pulling out of the ground like it's becoming more and more tenuous like less and less tenuous grab with religion and like you especially catholicism like uh, i can talk about my specific brand of muslim which has like sure. specific very specific parallels to catholicism where you have a rich guy in charge of everything and like right. worth way more than anyone will ever know but like mm-hmm. why um, so you're seeing that, but then you're also, so as we move towards secularism, I think these, and like, so the Illuminati, like, I, I don't think it ever really existed, but I think now it definitely exists because like Elon Musk and his little buddies have cosplayed themselves into this fucking situation where they're now like Illuminati. Like it definitely exists now. Right. They have an insane amount of money, an insane amount of influence. And they want to sit around and t- talk about smoking DMT and like, of course they're going to start an Illuminati. These people are right. insane. <laughs> and they're looking at leaving the planet and living on yeah mars i guess they, they like there's there's nothing good that's gonna come like i am afraid of where this where it's gonna go what the end game here is of everything but there's nothing you can do personally oh personally no you would just hope again we we would hope that we could change our attitudes towards microwave culture and like mm. that way we can do our part of easing the boot on the neck of like the working class <laughs> sure sure um i believe that i think that is the only solution that is, we just have to get back to a place where we have to remember that it's not about, we're never going to be billionaires. None of us, like, at least there's hey, no one else know. here but me no, and you. Let's not, we got time. But. That's fair. But I mean, statistically, it's, it's not within our grasp. It's unlikely. But, but we are going to be old, and we are going to need to be cared for. And, like, mm-hmm. I don't know about you, I definitely don't feel like I'm going to have kids. And, like, th- I feel like that's also a part of the reason why people have kids is so they can take, they have someone to take care of their so ass when they're great, old. Great reason to have kids. But, like, I'm not, I don't plan to because I don't want them, but sure. I still expect the society that I worked in and provided value to 
for all these years, same way that you like provide value to children, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would expect something back. Honestly, I'm looking forward to home living. Like a bunch of old people <laughs> just ready to like, I will be partying down. <laughs> There, apparently STDs are rampant in old folks' apparently. homes. I mean, you still got to wrap it up. Come on, guys. <laughs> it's like, it doesn't work. It's like, anyway. So that's interesting then. Hey, you, you've kind of, you see, you see the trajectory you're going to take pretty clearly and you really expect society to sort of facilitate. Well, not just myself, but many people in the same situation. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like society, especially now at the point we've reached mm-hmm. like the amount the obscene amount of wealth that's out on the street just available everywhere and like mm-hmm. the obscene amount of like overabundance i feel like we have i feel like society is at a point where we can take care of everyone well that's for sure true but we don't do it yeah well i mean again it's another one of these very leftist things but you know how you end the homelessness there's tons of houses right now that are just like someone's parked their money there hmm. and they're just not using it nobody's living there it's just an investment shelter and that's eating up the housing market and you have all these homeless people that have no homes right i have an easy solution there right give them houses i think yeah i mean there's something to that for sure i think that i think that there's a lot of to do with homelessness has to do with drug addiction and mental health and mental health and like the first thing you need to do is give these people shelter. it's like the most basic um what's the, the basic food shelter sure. Like, it's the basic thing. Like, you have to be able to provide. I feel like the internet needs to be added to that list. I feel like if you're homeless and you don't have access to a cell phone or the internet, how do you get out of it? How do you pull yourself off by your bootstraps? How do you get a job? How do you go to interviews? It's not. The internet's a basic human right at this point. It is. Access to electricity is a basic human right. And, like... If if not if we're not going to actively like go full marks and take the property from the rich property owners and give it to the people in need, yeah. then we at least need to de-incentivize people parking their money in places mm. like that. We need to make taxes higher if you're going to like buy a house and not live in it or like Interesting. we need to and like so when you unregulate the market, when you do the opposite, what you mm. end up getting? Airbnb. Sure. Which decimates the like this I don't know. I don't know how you feel about gig economy, but like Uber, Lyft, I feel like it's ruined. It's made it worse. It's added to the microwave culture. For sure it has. I also survive partially on gig economy. That is fair. You know, but Well that's the industry, yeah. I mean that's the other thing we have to think about is mm-hmm. our industry is what we're in. But like mm-hmm. and that's an interesting through line. Yeah. I don't think the gig economy will ever be a good thing. I what? feel like the gig economy puts undue pressure on people and I feel like at least at our level or more at your level, you can charge enough money True. to like make it so that the gig economy works for you. Right. Whereas I feel as an Uber driver, you're making less than minimum wage. Yeah, and you don't make a gig- ton. Yeah, you, and it's the gig economy, and you have to answer this stupid app, and you have to make sure that people like you because you have to get a five-star rating, and then maybe they'll give you a t- like. It's, it's right. one of these things where like we put so much pressure on these people, mm-hmm. and then... We're going to see mass killings. We're going to see a serial killer. It's like when the postal office, when they started expecting the postal workers to, like, start working like the machines. And oh then people God. start going postal. Well, they're gonna, we're going to say they went Uber. They went Uber. They went Lyft. Like, we have to take these restraints off of people. I don't think it's possible, man. I think and that's my other thing is, like, so much of left leftist politics... Okay, so much of right-wing politics is like a reactionary mm-hmm. to the le- to the compassion of the left saying, "Well, we need to we need to ease up a little bit here. Can you give up 1%?" It's like, "Fuck no." And then they go harder. Yeah, and it's like, right. "No, we want the other half percent that you have." Right. And like, no, I feel like we need to come to a middle ground where we have to realize that some people like a lot of people this the 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 the, the, the deck is stacked against them and we mm-hmm. need to like provide an equal launching pad. Like 
if 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 you were born not even born if you have a crippling drug addiction if you have issues with mental health mm-hmm. and you're homeless and you don't have access to a shower and you don't have access to electricity or the internet right. i feel like we need to provide you with shelter with the internet we need to provide you with a place where you can like then because the drug addiction I, I it's a symptom it's it's not something 100%. people choose to do it's it's a symptom of the capitalist system it's a way that people escape the capitalist system well it's a symptom of trauma yeah and if you take the boot off of like you don't have to come up with rent or food or any of that if you take right. that boot off then people have a lot more time to work on their own issue it's like remember when the GameStop thing was happening and right. I, I told you like the, all these people were making money and people were talking about how they're going to fund their like dad's surgery wow. or like they're going to build a house like when you give people the means right. Right. do things you, you'd be surprised about what they actually do choose to do i think too you need to give them some sort of community you know yeah like, you, i like, talked to a guy a few weeks ago about uh like he works at the bissell center mm-hmm. and he was saying like sometimes we put we, sometimes we take an unhoused guy a homeless guy and we put him in a housing but it's way on the north end and within two weeks he says because i'm bored out there there's nobody out there yeah. i come back to the downtown core where all my friends, friends are. are and then yeah. they're hanging out in specific spots and then you fell into all yeah you need to give people access to community mm-hmm. you need to give people access to just what dignity i feel like sure. if nothing else society's job is to provide everybody with dignity yeah that's a, that might be a like a bare minimum provide everybody with some dignity yeah, I think, and to me, I think that has to start on like a really grassroots level, like on a small community level. You know, like you can't do that on a on a mass scale. I no, don't think you I mean, there's never going to be mass reform that takes that no. away. But I feel like, like I don't there think needs you could even be... do it citywide. I think no, you could no. do it in a neighborhood. But there needs to be things that incentivize those things to happen in those neighborhoods, like, for right. example, stopping people from like parking their money in neighborhoods in empty houses, or. Like incentivize sure. people. Like again, if you if you do live next to someone who's who's in a, like unhoused, and mm-hmm. like I, I people smarter than me would figure out how to <laughs> incentivize that. But I feel like you need to incentivize society because right now we're incentivized to like hoard the money. Right. So I guess you have to say the same tax breaks that we get for whatever, and I don't know it well enough. Translate that into the same tax breaks come from doing some sort of social good. Yeah. That that might be something to to work on but yeah rather where's than, the incentive for the politician to bring that bill or to even try see, that that's the thing is like and i feel like again that's maybe again where we lost the thread a little bit is what is the politician there to do because they can't get rich i feel like again you need to ban anyone that's in politics from ever being rich like there's more nuanced ways of saying that but like you can't deal in stocks because like so many did you ever hear about all those american politicians who like cashed out so much stock before covid or like new things were happening with covid and then they manipulate like if if you're a public official i feel like you can't earn you can't own stocks at all you can't be in the stock game i feel like you you have to make it as inconvenient financially as possible to be a politician so you get the right people who then will like put in the right the right things like you need to get rid of lobbying you need to oh i i totally hear you i was just where my mind went was yeah. often I hear Bill Burr on his podcast say the exact opposite. Is that all politicians that just have like fuck you money so that they can't be compromised financially? They can't be. But then they're like, what is fuck you money? It's that it's right. it's, it's, it's a little Wayne line. Well, it's that little Wayne line. Uh, too much money is not enough money. <laughs> he okay. On a side note, I consider him to be the poet of our generation, by the oh, way. Oh, really? You know what? I mean, there was a period in the 2000s with that Greatest Rapper Alive yes. thing where, like, he's got some lines. I, I, and that's what I always look for in a rap song is, like, he's got some lines. There's a few mixtapes, and then Carter 2 and Carter 3 are just, like, frame yeah. that shit and put it on the wall. 
to me, that's it. I mean, even in Carter Five, he had a. Um, I gotta look it up because I don't want to. I don't want to butcher it. The one that st- sticks out from that album was the one with Kendrick Lamar. Um, I, I, what is the name of that one? I can't remember, man. I know the, the one from the new album that I. It, <laughs> it sticks I, out, but I can't remember the name. What a poser. Um, it, it, he had Exexistentacion, ex, ex that kid. Oh, yeah. On the hook. But like, Did that guy die? Did that kid yeah, die? Did he, he get shot he on a live stream? Like on a, a live stream? No, he was buying jewelry or something, and then like some mm. some uh, some motorcycle guys came and shot him up. I mean, wasn't he live streaming though? Uh, was he? Uh, maybe. Because that would I, be... I don't think that was. Maybe what he wasn't live streaming. I'm trying to remember now. I just know. Excuse me. He was a controversial person. And he had some good stuff though. He was, but he was also like his personal life. He was mm. he was like a twenty year old that was famous and kind of abusive to like. Mm. A lot of people around people him. around him, yeah. And like, it's one of those things where like, who do you believe? Who do you talk to? And like, I just. And, and the other problem is like, who cares? Well, exactly it. Well, I mean, and, these people get built into idols by way of the microwave culture. Exactly. And we, and there's something to be said for like the values of our society. We can put them on those people and learn that way. But also, it's like, Joe Biden, XXS, Tentacion, whatever. None of that shit actually really matters at all. Not really. No. At the end of the day, the 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 the, the, ob- the objective is like collectivism. The objective I, is I like, so. and these people are there to deliver it to us. Um, but what is that line, man? You could say too, like a co- a collective could rally around an idol, like name an artist, name a politician. But yeah, uh, Fela Kuti from Nigeria. Okay. If uh, that that's a very specific example of a guy who was a musician but also was like mm. very involved with grassroots political movements and was like a legitimate threat to pol- okay. Ginger Baker went over there in the 70s right. to get crazy with him. And they raced horses or they polo played polo or they <laughs> yep. they, they raised polo horses or something. Yeah, they they ship polo horses from England or something. Did they play polo? Uh, yeah, yeah, and that that was a that was a divider for them because Phelo was like, you're you're going over there to play polo with the colonialists, and you're coming over here and talking like that uh, revolutionary shit. What's your deal? Interesting. See, but that's what Phelo Cootie did, or that's that's what, what Gin- Fela, no, that's what uh, Ginger Baker did, and right. Phelo Cootie would call him out on that because sometimes people mm. want to be associated with the revolution because I'm going to use the kid the, the term the kids use, but the, the revolution is drippy. I feel like the revolution <laughs> sure. looks cool. It's it's got drip. And like people 100%. want to be associated with it, but they're not down with the with the end goal of the revolution. Well, yeah, hundred percent that. But and the revolution has come in many shapes and sizes over the years, and oh, never yeah. really quite got there. Well, I mean, and like, did you watch that Adam Curtis documentary? Can't get no, you out of my head. Didn't. He explores that exact situation of okay. like revolutions that rise up and then get quashed by different means. And like, again, he, he explores the idea of collectivism to individualism and like, mm. it's, it's all very fascinating. That might be useful. I like what you're saying, man, about maybe collectivism is the start because I've been saying on this podcast, it starts like even smaller, like grassroots, like fix yourself first, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. to steal the old Jordan Peterson line about clean your room before you set the world in order. And then maybe go have one good interaction with one person. And then maybe, you know, yeah, yeah. you know, build a small team. Might be something you could do and try and help some people, but... But I feel like also self-improvement comes through other people. I feel like it's hard mm. to fix it. Like, I mean, I agree with the clean your room part. I mean, it goes even back to, like, remove the speck of dust from your eye before you criticize the speck of dust in your brother's eye, right? right. Like, keep your house in order. But I feel like also, like, healing comes from collectivism. Like, I feel mm. like if you talk about your trauma amongst people who 
who can then like respond and be like, no, this isn't weird. This is something we all experience and mm -hmm. we all deal with. Mm -hmm. And you know, you're, you're, you're not as weird. You, you come in and like, I feel like hmm. that's a way we, we can move towards healing that kind of trauma. That's interesting. I hadn't put that one together just yet. Maybe there is something in well, the collectivism I mean, that would. I know for, for, from personal experience, just hanging out with my friend Andrea and like, we talk like about a lot of our own personal problems with each other. Mm -hmm. And like, Honestly, like, it sounds dumb to say, but, like, saying what's bothering you is such a big step in, like, actually fixing things. Like, 100%. actually, not not just saying it in your head, because we all say the things that bother us in our head, but saying it in words to another person hmm. really helps, like, make you think about it and, like, helps put your brain at, like... Makes it real. Yeah, makes it real and makes it out there so you can tackle it. Because it's just, if you don't say it out loud, it's just in the fog... Well, there. There. Thinking, I know yeah, there's yeah, something yeah. wrong, but I, yeah. you say you say it out to somebody, and, and then, then it's it, it's there, and you look at it, and you, the person looks at it, and then like hmm. see, comments can be made, things like you have to say what's wrong with you, I guess. You do. You have to say what's wrong with you. Let's leave it there for now, Faisal. That's a good. That's a good one. <laughs> Thank you, man, for doing this. This was Thank great. Thank you, man. Good to see you. Let's go shoot a documentary. Here's hoping we're gonna have a good time tonight. We All got right. an hour. I think we should watch the documentary. I'm down. And be ready. Right on. Thank you for listening, folks. Thanks, Faisal. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the North Bank Media Podcast. If you enjoy this conversation, please subscribe on YouTube and give us a like. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please subscribe as well and leave a five-star review.